the fucking things that happened this week. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I have, like, no notes for, like, the like the comic, right? Because this is, I'll flip through the book, it's fine. Tim's gonna tell me the plot. I have the, I have the four things I want to say, I'm good to go. Uh, then I was like, I started I looking at the news. news. <laughs> I was looking at the news last night, I was like, oh, I hate, this is, like, the worst. I was like, this is, like, the, and then, like, they keep, like, more shit happened yeah, today. Yeah, it's, like, dropping just, yeah, just today. Uh, I'm like, fuck off, guys. Like, I got, <laughs> that don't involve writing news stories or like just posting news stories into my fucking Google Docs or whatever I do. Yeah. It's not super complicated how I work, but either way. <laughs> I just fucking open up shit shitload of tabs. I I mean I do that like I this is the way I save the tabs so that I don't have to keep oh, them yeah. open for like like a whole day cuz I'll do the I'll do the reading ahead of time like the night before. Yeah, yeah. Usually this week it's a little hit or miss cuz like yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Yeah this week so yeah man barrel uh, through it well i mean that's isn't that what we always do is just barrel through no not really usually we, wow. normally we fucking meander some shit yeah. we barrel through some shit we fucking tangent on for <laughs> yeah. 10 minutes <laughs> yeah that's uh we're, we're a very tightly run highly disciplined uh operation here mark Not that's sure if you know. i know it's like me who runs the organization to you think i'd be more like responsible <laughs> for that kind of stuff but no no it's cool uh, keep it nice and loose, you know. So you never that way. If, if something Phrasing? good happens, I <laughs> I don't know. We want your shit. T- I mean, some people want their shit tight. I just like to keep it like you know, relaxed. Just gonna let that hang there. I'm fine with it at this point. Welcome back to Dance Robot Dance. This is episode 253. Uh, I'm Mark. I'm exhausted, and I'm here with Tim. <laughs> I'm not exhausted because I'm on vacation this week. This is my birthday week, so I took the whole fucking week off and sleeping in every day. It's been great. What's that like? That's cool. I missed those days. <laughs> it was like three weeks ago. I was like, oh yeah, sleeping in is awesome. But now I'm like, oh, I get up in the morning. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's been a busy week. So like, how you doing? Good. Yeah, I've been just catching up on shit, getting some shit done, fun shit and, you know, chory to-do list kind of shit. So just had a nice. vacation. Nice. That's cool. Uh, I got my COVID shot yesterday. So that's saw, all. Congrats. I'm fucking excited to have that first step taken. Thank God this shit is almost over. What what house are you in? Uh, I, I, fuck you, I shipped out on the SS Pfizer. Thank you. <laughs> fucking house. Starfleet all the way, motherfucker. SS? Since when do the fucking Starfleet ships use SS? Well, it's U- it would be USS, obviously. Yeah. Sorry, I should have said USS, but I was going to say ISS. I think that's where I got tripped up. And I was like, yeah, well, boom. <laughs> that's the space station. Yeah, that's the Imperial side, like the mirror universe. Oh, right. It's ISS. Right. There you go. ISS Enterprise. You're, so. you're just tremendous amount of Star Trek knowledge tripped you up. <laughs> yeah, it did. Sometimes it does that. There's so much in there. Sometimes things get fucking lost. And that I'm shit like, hey. happens to me all the fucking time. Like, I'll start saying something and get it. my brain gets ahead of what I was going to say. And then I just fucking lose it. <laughs> hey, man, I edit the podcast. I'm well aware of how I that know. works out. <laughs> so I know how that works out for both of us, usually. So yeah. let's get into this, like, fucking mountain of goddamn news that i gotta talk about now <laughs> first things first we got a trailer for the eternals finally i still don't know what this fucking movie's about but i'm curious because there's so many pretty people on the screen that's about all i got from this so yeah, far it looks looks beautiful but yeah, it's same, same like i have i mean they've given us virtually nothing about the story except that like these eternal people are now going to help 
Earth, I guess, in some way. Like, like, I get they, you know, they kind of fucking slept on Thanos. That wasn't enough for them to fucking like come out of their hiding place. I really hope they address that. <laughs> well, I mean, like between Thanos and Ultron, and like, there's been a couple like really big world-ending kind of calamities yeah, that have gone on in the MCU so far. You know, uh, so like, yeah, they got some, they got some explaining to do. It also means that they can't use this like they've always been there in the shadows plot for X Men anymore, right? Like, you're not going to be able mm-hmm. to do this again. Yeah, yeah. So they're going to have to figure something to bring the mutants in uh like you can just introduce the fantastic four whenever you want right like because that's just like oh this family goes into space and gets irradiated or whatever like however they're going to set it up Mm -hmm. but uh x-men like you got to do some legwork for that unless you just literally do a hulk movie and drop wolverine in it and then just fucking don't ever talk about it ever i still think the best way to do it is to do like you know the alternate universe or like multiverse kind of thing and shit starts bleeding together or whatever and I feel like if they were going to do that, they would have kind of pulled that trigger going into like WandaVision and stuff. And it feels like they've, they're shying away from that now. Yeah. And I'm like, so I don't know what they're doing with either way. So like the Eternals looks like it's going to be one of those. It's that story, which is great, but it does have weird ramifications for X-Men. And then, but like, I'm a hundred percent on board. You know, it looks, it looks fucking fantastic. It's just going to yeah. end for me on how well they do retcon this into the existing MCU. Yeah. Like anytime they do one of these stories, like these people have always been there in the shadows. Well, it's always like you have to walk such a fucking fine line in terms of how to make that work. Uh, you know, that, that kind of plot point work. And that's the funny part is like the Eternals is like Guardians of the Galaxy. I was at least like casually familiar with because like I had been but reading like fine. Annihilation Wave. in space, right? Like, you, yeah, it's fine that we've never seen them yet because we haven't spent much time. No, no, no but I'm not even talking about that. But, but it's just like in terms of like I have no I don't have any knowledge about the Eternals. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I knew who the Guardians were because like they were in Annihilation Wave and they were dealing with Nova, who I was reading at the time. So like I, I had an idea of what was going on when I went mm-hmm. into that movie. More so than obviously everybody else, because everybody else is like, oh, my God, it's a whole new thing. I'm like, what are you talking about? I've been reading this comic for like three years, <laughs> but newer than any of the other MCU stuff was. And this is going to be similar, right? This is something where this is Kirby stuff, though, right? Like, yeah. so it is. it does draw back from that classic stuff, but it's still 70s. like, yeah, it's, so, it's seven, yeah, super 70s. Trust me. Like, you got you to gotta <laughs> read that first initial run, which is why when like when you suggested we should read some of it, I'm like, I don't. I don't really want to because like I've looked at the Kirby stuff because I've looked. Yeah, I wasn't suggesting to read the Kirby stuff. I was suggesting maybe the game and run or something. Yeah, which I don't think is finished. I remember that being I'd have to like actually go look, but like I don't remember that being ever like finished properly. Like it seems to get picked up by a different author afterwards. And I'm just like, I don't want to deal with somebody trying to pick Mm -hmm. up new game pieces because fuck that's never unless it's Alan Moore. It's not going to fucking work. So I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, so I don't know. But like I I'm just I don't know. This looks good. And like Marvel's like nary done me wrong so far, right? So what are you gonna do? We'll see. It'll be a nice spectacle regardless. Yeah, which uh I mean that's just like what the world is now. <laughs> I, that's not a good transition at all, but we're just gonna have to move on to the next story now, which is a terrible transition. I should be better <laughs> at this by now, but I'm not, you know. Sometimes being bad is refreshing. <laughs> it is, you know. Sometimes you just gotta call yourself. You gotta call yourself on it every once in a while. Yeah, like, exactly. I have no segue whatsoever for this. Like it doesn't. Nothing I'm thinking about works. So fuck it. Let's just go <laughs> to the next one. Uh, Amazon. Is, Jeff Bezos is buying MGM Studios for like nine billion dollars, and with it, James Bond. And it looks like yeah, James Bond will be coming along for the ride with this. Although the, like the Broccoli's maintain control and are committed to like have verbally been committed to his cinematic experience, but it doesn't stop them from doing spinoffs finally on like, you know, Amazon prime, which is probably what they're really shooting to do at this point. 
But that'll mean fucking Star Trek ends up under Amazon. That'll mean anything Paramount is uh, all part of uh, MGM. No, 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 no. Oh, no, sorry. Sorry. MGM doesn't have, I don't actually, honestly, like I was looking at the story and being like, oh, do they have like a franchise that's active right now that isn't Bond? And it really does not. Stargate, which isn't active right now. Robocop, which isn't active right now. Handmaid's Tale is under MGM and it's pretty big right now. Yeah, but that's on Amazon, is it not? Uh no, I think it's Hulu, oh, it's Hulu right? Yeah, yeah, okay, fair enough. Uh yeah, I don't like Silence of the Lambs. Great, that Clarice show looks like it's bombing. Yeah, also, it looks like a piece of fucking garbage. It bonds the biggest one by far. Fargo, which is a good show, but that. like, yeah, but like, I don't think it's really something that people are like gonna fucking like get their you know underwear all in a bunch about. Yeah. So, I mean, MGM is a huge name just overall, yes. you know, that has made a lot of massive fucking blockbuster movies over the years. So, you know, it, it'll it'll bring in a good like name recognition and, and they can maybe drop that banner on some of their big budget projects or something like that. Right. And like, it's also just a nice catalog of films and stuff yeah. for a nascent streaming service to, you know, Amazon kind of prime. Yeah. Bolster its offerings with, which is like, I mean, I don't, Amazon Prime's that weird one that I don't think about a lot because like I don't buy Amazon Prime for, for the video. video. Yeah. yeah, like I buy it because like I just like having shit shipped to me in like a day. <laughs> you know, like I'm just really even though fucking... it's not fucking a day right now. Oh my god, Jesus! Don't even get me started. Like I ordered like fucking like hardware stuff like cables, and it's like yeah, 19 weeks. I'm like, what are you talking about? I need a USB <laughs> cable. Like, come on. Like, why did you recommend this to what the fuck yeah. is wrong with your algorithm where you recommended something that's going to take a month to get to me? Literally, like I just typed in USB-C cables because I've got I've just got a, a plethora of new devices that are all USB-C, right? Like the new controllers are all USB-C. Yeah, yeah. I've got a new iPad coming that's USB-C. So everything's USB-C all of a sudden. I'm like, I need a couple just extra cables to lay around kind of thing. And I was like, I'll room on Amazon. And it's like, yeah, thank God my iPad doesn't shift to like the beginning of next month because fuck me, those cables are never coming, you know, either way. Amazon, get your shit together. Like the pandemic's almost over. Everybody else seems to be able to get their crap here in two days. I got a PlayStation in two days, guys. It's crazy. Anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, good for, you know, Amazon buying Bond. I just, I still just want that movie to come out at this point. Like, can we just get this yeah. shit over? That movie's still dangling out there. Yeah. I mean, at least, at least we have a date on Black Widow now, which is the other big, like, that was the other big big fish that was out there, right? Like waiting to come out kind of yeah. thing in terms of movies. And like now it's just Bonds. Like where's fucking Bond? Are they just are they literally just gonna wait till like everybody can go back to the theaters, I guess? Like they must <laughs> they finally dumped a Quiet Place part two as well, because that was one I that saw. was like, you know, was supposed to release like right when the pandemic got bad and they closed all the movie theaters and shit. Because mm-hmm. that's when like you fucking need to see in a theater. So. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I'm looking to go. I want to see that one also, but it's like I don't know. I've only got my first shot. I'm not like super keen on sitting in a no, room with no, a bunch no. of fucking uh, movie theaters aren't open up here, anyways. Right now, I don't think. Yeah, I guess they're not. Like I don't. What is open anymore? Anyway, let's just move on from this. Yeah. We're just we're really dangling on these fucking things tonight. As we start, it's casting time. So like <laughs> the top thing for today was this came out today is that we have confirmed now that Oscar mm-hmm. Isaac is going to be Moon Knight. So. I mean, this is a story we knew already, kind of, but it was like one of those uh, Tatiana Maslany. Maslany things where it's like, oh my good God, we're just going to lie about it for a couple of weeks because we didn't announce it officially yet. Well, they've even shown like fucking released like videos of him training and shit like that for like something that was clearly martial artsy kind of thing. And so wow. it was one of those like all but fucking confirmed kind of things. But oh, yeah, absolutely. Now it's but, 
now it's official, which is cool. So there you go. Uh, Oscar Isaac is going to be your Moon Knight, which just like get goddamn Charlie back in the cow so we can do some crossovers. Because I want to watch Crazy Guy talk to Daredevil, basically. Because uh, that is a crossover that happens a lot also. Mm-hmm. Really, the, the Moon Knight Spider-Man Daredevil crossover that's not going to happen in the, the, like, the MCU is going to very much disappoint the 616 fan in my that I am. Who loves that kind of the three of those guys being forced to deal with shit together? Uh, anyway, it's not Oscar Isaac's first uh, Marvel role, though. He was no, a, he was in a X Men apocalypse. He was in a really terrible X Men movie. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. He was, uh, you know, he got the title role in that one. But yeah. Anyway, uh, the big casting this week seems to be more on the Netflix side of things, though. So Sandman has cast its death and most of the rest of the cast of its Sandman adaptation. Yeah. So we've got, and I'm going to just go like, I'm going to butcher most of these names probably, but that's fine. Uh, Kirby Howell Baptiste is going to be death. You would recognize her from a good place or Veronica Mars or a number of other places where she has done actually quite good work. I liked her on Veronica Mars. Yeah. And she's really good in good place. The last couple of seasons of good place too. Yep. Mason Alexander Park is desire. Donna Preston is despair. I don't really know who all these people are, but you know, no, great. Rosane Jamal, Lita Hall. I mean, I knew who the characters are, but like, you know, not. Anyway, Jolie, is it Jolie? I guess Jolie Richardson, Ethel Cripps. Neam Walsh is young Ethel Cripps. David Thewlis is John D. Keo. Thewlis, people will recognize. Yes. Him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, He's been in a million things. Well, he was he was in the, he played uh, Ares in the first Wonder Woman movie, didn't he? Uh, yep, he did. Yeah. You're right. He did, yeah. And he was Lupin in the fucking Harry Potter movies, and yeah. Oh, that's right. That's who he is. I don't recognize him with the mustache. There, there it is. Harry yeah. Potter. Yeah. Keo Ra is Rose Walker. Sandra James Young is Unity Kincaid. The Patton Oswalt will be the voice to Matthew the Raven. Stephen Fry is Gilbert. And the role that I'm the most curious about, Jenna Coleman is Joanna Constantine. That is. I can't wait to see her try and do that because <laughs> Joanna is an interesting character. <laughs> so she's a firebrand, that lady. And we'll have to see how that works. Joanna out. being a ancestor of distant uh, forber. Right? Yeah. 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 I think he, like, it's two or three several generations. generations removed. I think he's, he's like, she's uh, John's like great, great grandmother or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Something like that. But either way, like that, ca- I mean, the casting's interesting, but I just want to see if Jenna, it's more because I want to see Jenna Coleman, do something other than the manic pixie dream girl that she seemed to always play in doctor who like yeah. even if she wasn't really playing that she kind of was all the time yeah. um so seeing her play like joetta constantine is a fucking bitch sometimes and it's gonna be fucking fun to watch so we'll see how that works out although i might be thinking about like other stories that feature joanna and not really what happens in sandman i gotta reread sandman it's kind of like becoming a priority on my list of things to do is get back into that yeah, book and reread it, it. I got all those fucking single issues and have never read them. I just picked them up. Probably worth a bunch now with this whole series coming. Yeah, (laughs) I I picked them up over 10 years ago now. You should price those out. I've got the absolute editions. Uh, Actually, I've got, (laughs) I shouldn't even say I have. I have Paul's absolute editions of uh, (laughs) Sandman and Death uh, sitting here that I I might peruse at this point since I don't think he's ever taken them back. They might just be mine now. Uh, if you listen to this episode, Paul, you have to let me know what you want to do with those Sandman things because they're probably coming with me when I leave here. So there you go. <laughs> anyway, moving along. I'm excited for that adaptation too, though. That looks fucking dope. And I'm curious to see how that turns out. Uh, yeah. Especially like Jenna Coleman playing Joanna Constantine is fucking crazy. Either way, <laughs> we've got a new Willy Wonka. 
Ah, oh, fuck off. It's it's not a it's a fucking prequel yeah. origin movie for Willy Wonka. Yeah. Uh, so apparently he's the dude from Doom. This guy's in Doom. Oh, also. Timothy Chalamet. He's a yeah, he's yeah. in all kinds of shit. But yeah, he's playing. Uh, uh, he's Paul playing Trey, Willy he's Wonka. No, is he playing Willy Wonka? Or is he playing? Uh, yeah, he's playing Willy Wonka. Yeah. I was gonna say he's not playing Charlie, but he's playing Willy Wonka. Anyway, he's playing a young Willy Wonka, which I have no interest in. And fuck this, it's not. Um, I can't even watch the remake. I gotta watch the one that's got Gene Wilder in it. Because like, why the fuck would you not watch the one with Gene fucking Wilder in it? He's the funniest man that's ever lived. Anyway. <laughs> whatever do you whatever you want i don't care with, about this movie at all i just wanted to bring it up because we brought it up before <laughs> here's the one that i'm excited for evil dead 4 starts filming next month for hbo max yes sam raimi and bruce campbell will both be acting as executive producers on this it is a different story they are doing something the, the story from the io9 article it says something about two estranged sisters whose reunion is cut short when flesh possessing demons thrust them into a battle for survival so it looks like it's going to be set in the city as opposed to the woods, which is interesting. Well, I mean, they, they've done a lot of different shit with like the Evil Dead series, especially with yeah, the well, TV show and shit. So you know, it's not like it always has to be in the forest. Nope. As long as it involves fucking deadites and the Necronomicon, it can be Evil Dead anywhere. Basically, that's yeah, that's how I feel about it. Also, it's just nice to see that, like, regardless of what Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell do, they always get fucking dragged back to this franchise, kicking and screaming to do more shit, right? And why I wouldn't have it any other way. I fucking love bitching about Evil Dead stuff not being as good as the old Evil Dead stuff. So, oh yeah, there you go. Apparently, Star Wars: Rangers of the New Republic will not be happening, or has been put on hold, which basically confirms what we had assumed that that Cara Dune was. Gina Carano's character was basically the linchpin or one of the starring roles in that series. And now they can't fucking use her. And so they're just like, yep, we're just not doing that anymore. Yeah. Uh, so that's, I mean, that they had a lot of shit on that docket. And I don't think I would even miss this show. If, if they had not even said that they were, they'd put it on hold or there was never a story about this. It just never happened. It would have been one of those things you brought up in five years. And I would have been like, Gives a shit. You know what I mean? Like, did you did you not get enough? Like, how much fucking Star Wars do you fucking need, Tim? Like, yeah. out know, of all the like, ones that that they announced, this was the one that I was like, I mean, I was still looking forward to it, but I was yeah. you know, looking forward to it less than more Mandalorian, the Ahsoka series, the Boba Fett series, the fucking Obi Wan Wan series, yeah, all that. So, oh my god, that Obi Wan show, I fucking need it in my veins right now. That's the know, only Star Wars thing I give a shit now. about. I know. I've been di- I've been fucking that's the only thing I've been screaming about since they got fucking Star Wars at Disney it was like just make my fucking Obi-Wan movie <laughs> god damn it and they it's like 20 years later <laughs> they're fucking doing it finally Ugh, I had to sit through so much terrible shit that even JJ Abrams admitted this week probably should have had a plan for but you know whatever <laughs> moving along moving along uh actually that was kind of oh no you know what the one one last thing um an interesting partner has kind of emerged for the we've been talking about Disney's royalties like payments and stuff like that to ex authors and stuff. Uh, Boom Studios got involved this week because one of Disney's new properties based on the Fox merger uh, is Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, including, so still Joss related, but you know, it just found it interesting that Boom was in the, suddenly Boom Studios got stuck in the middle of this, this fight, the poor guys. Well, I think, I feel like Boom did some Disney, like direct Disney property comics back in the day as well. It's entirely possible. Uh, I think they worked with Disney a lot before in the pre-Marvel days. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. In terms yeah. of getting like uh, like Scrooge McDucky kind of comics out and stuff and like, like that. I like think those... they did like a Haunted Mansion comic that went yeah. to Boom Studios at one point and shit like that. I think I have yeah. that one. 
uh, obviously this is all prior to you know them acquiring marvel and now marvel i mean everything because at first uh it took a while before marvel even got star wars back under their banner right like it was like a yeah, year or two that dark horse kept they had to like, wait for that dark horse deal to lapse first yeah so uh i mean this is like it's good news for the people who are trying to get disney to like you know pay the royalties out that boom studios is coming in because like they are actually not a tiny tiny fucking publisher anymore like they do publish a lot of stuff and I've published some like name stuff that you would actually hear. Like they're, I think they published Mouse Guard, and it's Lumberjanes is with them. And right, yes, Lumberjanes is theirs. Yeah, yeah. So stuff that like you people have heard of at this point. Whereas a couple of years ago, Boom Studios is basically just like that's where Warren Ellis does like every fourth book. I think like that's kind of all they were. Now they're a little bit more like they're picking stuff up a little bit more, which is cool because the guys who run it are really nice. Uh, I've met them a couple of times, so good. Get Disney to pay these guys, especially yeah. the. Like they should be mining. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know why they don't mine all that EU shit for Star Wars when they don't seem to have like they have some ideas and then some ideas don't. Uh, anyway, just throw it all out. Start from scratch. Worked out real well. Anyway, I have that's it. I have for the news. I I oh you, you missed anything else? did I miss what did I miss? You missed uh, Henry Cavill potentially being cast in a new Highlander movie. Didn't we talk about we talked about that last week? I don't think so. No, oh. it only came out Friday and we recorded Thursday last week. Did we? I think so. And it came out like just after we recorded. Oh, well, I thought for some reason I thought like, we talked about that. Either way, I think because we talked we about it chat. at nauseum in the yeah. chat. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Sorry. I should have brought that up earlier then. I would have put that earlier in this. Like, I think. For some reason in my head, I was like, yeah, we talked about that at nauseum. Yeah, there is a new Highlander movie happening at Lionsgate, which is very exciting. Uh, for whatever reason, it's Chad Stahelski, the John Wick dude that's making, and it. yeah, it is uh, Chad. Yes, uh, John Wick's Chad Stahelski, who is you know the guy who created John Wick, is going to be directing. I think writing also. He does write the John Wick stuff, although to what effect? Who knows at this point? And he yeah, apparently, it, this is a thing that's been like in talks for a long time. Like this is one of those production hell remakes that's been at, like talked about for decades and decades and like the last starfighters one of those ones like why the fuck hasn't this happened already so here we are and it's happening because henry cavill has been cast uh in the movie we haven't gotten a role for him yet whether he's going to be you know connor mcleod or the clown mcleod or whoever sean connery i can't remember the character's name anymore or my personal pick which i think was the best fucking one is he plays kurgan you know but get him he's a big fucking hoss and i think he'd be scary as fuck so get him to be. That would be fun for him to be the villain. I think everybody wants. It's like, oh, bring him back as Superman. Well, he, he played. Oh, I'm gonna do Witcher. Yeah, he played a villain in uh, that Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible. Movie, yeah. Yeah. Who's a villain in those? He beat the shit out of Tom Cruise. You cheer for that guy, <laughs> don't you? I do, because he beat the shit out of Tom Cruise in that last one. I just beat him up in a fucking bathroom and stuff. Like, ah, <laughs> head through toilet. God, that looks like pain. Looks so painful. Anyway, and 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 you don't want to talk about the the Craven the Hunter movie. Oh no, that's that that one I intentionally skipped. Thank you. <laughs> but it's Pietro. They recast Pietro, Mark. <laughs> so Aaron Taylor Johnson, who played uh, Quicksilver in the MCU up- originally, yeah, the the original, you know, up up until uh, Avengers: Age of Ultron. Yeah, uh, he has been tapped to play Craven the Hunter in this Sony movie that is for some fucking ungodly reason being made. <sighs> Like, it's going to be a fucking solo movie. There's not going to be... It's not going to be Craven the Last Hunt. It's not going to be... It's just going to be fucking Craven. <laughs> I had a good line about this in chat. If fucking Jeff Bezos can spend 
$9 billion to buy MGM just to buy James Bond. You know what I mean? That's literally sounds like the reason why this is all happening, this whole merger. <laughs> he just wants to own the rights to James Bond. Can Marvel not just fucking buy Sony Pictures and get the rights to fucking Spider-Man back so that my blood pressure doesn't cause me to have a fucking coronary every time they announce one of these <laughs> terrible fucking movies? Like these terrible milk toast. <laughs> average diarrhea smelling fucking movies but the problem now is as long as sony keeps putting out these fucking pieces of shit that just continue to devalue that group of characters marvel's or disney marvel is just going to keep fucking waiting until like this they can buy the whole fucking shit back for a ham sandwich I guarantee you they're just like, yeah, make all your stupid movies. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Exactly. If I was Kim, if I could be like, great. Make we'll, be back, we'll be back next week for fit with 50 bucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, I'm, honestly, now that you say that and I fucking do the math, you're probably fucking right. If I was Kevin Feige, I'd be like, I got Spider-Man already. They can't even take Spider-Man away from me. The fans bitch so much <laughs> that they can't take him out of my movies. They can't threaten that anymore. They can go make all this crap they want. And then in 10 years, I'll buy it like I bought fucking X-Men. <laughs> I was like, well, yeah. you know what? If he's playing that kind of like fucking 4D long-term fucking chess, all the power to him. We have x-men and fucking fantastic four to play with coming up i don't need all these extra spider people and we have spider-man period you know like we have peter parker and like that opens the door for miles and stuff for young avengers and that's enough for me fuck these movies i'm sick of hearing about them all. like because I, <laughs> I know i gotta watch them right like we gotta watch them for this goddamn podcast why are we doing this podcast it means i gotta watch these fucking movies gotta too. watch that fucking venom sequel i hate it this is fucking terrible like we just gotta stop doing one of these things has to give you know either way <laughs> Uh, there were a couple of things that released that I just wanted to kind of, you know, mark, uh, one Zack Snyder's army of the dead came out and seems to be getting decent reviews. I plan it's to terrible. watch it. It's fucking awful. Did you watch and it? And there's dead pixels in the middle of the screen. I thought my fucking TV was dying. Really? <sighs> there's an article and you can go read about it. It's very technical about photography and 4k sensors and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And he used a very large, very open lens on a very sensitive, le- uh, sensor and he blew out chunks oh, of it shit. and it looks like shit. Like the whole movie looks terrible and the movie's not great. I like Kevin Smith really liked it, but I was like, why is this two and a half fucking hours long? Anyway, yeah, sure. Enjoy it. Oh, yeah. It's not, I'll probably end up watching it at some point just because I like stoned. I like get to baked and watch it. It's fine if you're baked, but like get really baked because it's two and a half goddamn hours <laughs> yeah. long. Uh, and then also the series finale of Black Lightning aired. I have not watched it. I have not started watching this past season yet, but I. Had, did enjoy the first three seasons of that show so yeah i watched the pilot of the of that and i was like i'm so i was actually an article on io9 expressing my exact feelings on like i'm done with the fucking arrowverse like i just I did can't see that yeah, yeah i started I was reading like, it and i was like this this is hitting too close to home <laughs> it's good i almost commented like hey man like i did this right after fucking crisis and i feel great you know what i mean like i don't even think about it anymore awesome. no, and, I, and i absolutely agree with that that point of view which was like the whole Flareoverse shit was felt like it was building up to Christ on on Infinite Earth, and then that happened, and now everything else just feels like a coda, just feels kind of unnecessary. So I haven't yeah. watched, I've hardly watched anything post uh, Christ on Infinite Earths so far, except for that Superman and Lois series. Yeah, it feels completely removed from everything else. Also, it does, like it doesn't yeah. even feel like the same character that was on Supergirl anymore. Like it just feels like a completely separate thing. So. Yeah, they kind of got it all cut out and doing its own thing, which is fine. I'm fine with that. And yes. that's the way that DC seems to be going with their movies now, too. And I'm fine with that as well. You know, just have these separate things that are, you know, kind of 
disconnected in their own little self-contained things. That's fucking fine sometimes. Like when when the comic book movies have their comeback in like 2040, like when we're in our 80s or whatever, <laughs> you know what I mean? DC will be the one that, that's when they'll get it right, Tim. Like we'll be in our <laughs> 90s, but that's when they'll get the shared universe right, you know what I mean? That's that's why I'm exercising so I can live so can long live. enough to see DC get a shared universe right. I watched Marvel for like 10 years kick DC right in the dick <laughs> by doing it right and I'm just like I'm happy with that. I could die happy right now. I'm good. <laughs> uh, there are a couple of news articles about sort of non non DC or Marvel comics that are getting adaptations. Uh, one is another Robert Kirkman property, Hardcore. Yeah, that's getting a adaptation. Uh, movie, Does he count when he pays for them himself? Almost at this point, he's so rich. Like Roger, Robert yeah. Kirkman could just fund these himself, right? Like, what does it count anymore? <laughs> if he could just be like, I'll throw the money in and we'll make the movie, and everybody's like, Yeah, all right, because he's paying for it. Fuck it, right? Like, <laughs> so he's this so case, rich, so rich that man. <laughs> well, in this case, apparently Robert Kirkman, I don't know, has hired Adam Wingard to direct this adaptation of Hardcore, which uh, is Adam Wingard was the director of Godzilla versus Kong, and. Uh, Hardcore is image skybound book from comic and Mark uh, Kirkman and Mark Silvestri. And it's about like a program that takes over people's bodies and turns them into an assassin. Yeah. But given the track record so far of Kirkman adaptations, this sounds interesting. Well, it's like 50 50, right? Like Walking Dead's like, "Mm -hmm." and you know, Invincible's amazing. I mean, you like Walking Dead up to a certain You watched it all. I'm still watching Walking Dead. That's a you thing, though. You know what I mean? Most (laughs) people have jumped fucking ship by now. Like, what's the numbers like on that? Separate series if it weren't still like turning a a fucking profit. So it's still making money. It's just, you know, it's not the fucking behemoth that it was in the first few seasons, but it still has a very dedicated fan base that keeps watching. So. I, I watch it. I don't watch it like religiously like I used to, but it's still still something I enjoy. Yeah, I jumped off after like season three. I was like, fuck this. I can't deal with this. Yeah. Call me when he does Invincible. <laughs> and the other one that I am bringing up just because of the relation to our meat of the episode this week is a Paramount, I think Paramount Plus, or no, Peacock. It's the NBC fucking streaming service, uh, <sighs> is developing a series based on a young adult novel called Red Queen and Elizabeth Banks is going to be starring in it and also uh, working behind the camera on it as well. She's going to co-executive produce and it's about sort of a near future America where superheroes have supplanted the government and become like this uh, sort of monarchy instead. Wow, Miracle Man. Okay, everybody's just yeah. doing Miracle Man now. Right? Cool, 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 Basically. cool. Fuck, man. Neil Gaiman and Alan Moore really should get that shit like, solved so that people can know that they're being ripped off every fucking time we turn around. Because all this shit's just Miracle Man. Just go read Miracle Man. If you can to, get it now. I need to get a copy of that. We're going to read it at this point. We're going to have to read Miracle Good luck finding it. Like, you ain't getting those originals. Just letting you know. You know what I mean? Like, you're not finding those in singles. Trust me. Those are rare as fuck. But... Read the no, original I'll, Miracle I'll Man. Find, I'll find a digital copy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Those are everywhere. You can get those in Comixology now, I think. I think Marvel's got the rights to that back. I feel like this is a conversation that we've had a number of we times have, on the podcast. At least once, yeah. Yeah, um, but either way, uh, if everybody's just going to do Miracle Man, maybe everybody should just go read Miracle Man. Marvel Man, I guess, in the UK. If we have any UK listeners, I don't know. If we do... <laughs> What's I don't I, I'm terrible at accents. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not Christy. I can't do that. I'll be Kavna! Or whatever the <laughs> fuck that was. 
that was that was terrible is what it was well i know it was terrible that's because like i'm not a voice actor you know what i mean i'm a shitty podcaster actually i'm an illustrator <laughs> and a shitty podcaster so there's that Oh, man, we are having some technical issues tonight. <laughs> anyway, that was like fucking five minutes of Geek of the Week shit. What, <laughs> what are we doing? God damn it. I got to cut that out. Either way, Tim, so this is the nerdiest segment we... Nerdiest Holy segment? Shit. Jesus. <sighs> and I think I think you need to reboot now, Mark. Um, I'm like, my machine's running. My brain's not running. <laughs> yeah, so this is the uh, segment where we tell each other the nerdiest thing we did this week. So we'll start there with we Tim. Go. Uh, I finished a game. I finished my completionist run of Legend of Zelda Spirit Tracks because I've been off this week. So I was able to finish off the last 20% or so of the game that I had. Finished every little side quest. Caught all 50 of the stupid little bunnies that you have to catch. Completed the like challenge dungeons. Beat the final boss. Uh, it was actually a pretty fun final boss fight. Definitely like in the you know top half of Zelda bosses boss fights that I've I've uh, played through. Uh, and now that frees me up to start playing Spider-Man on my PS5 finally. <laughs> oh, good. That's exciting. <laughs> Have you started playing it? Uh no, I probably I was th- was going to do it today, but like, I ended up wanting to uh, like take my time and appreciate our meat of the episode more th- so it took me longer to read through than I expected it to, so I was planning to like start it this afternoon, but I didn't end up doing it. I'll, I Fair might enough. do it like once once we're finished recording. Fair enough. That will be kind of what I'm doing when we're done recording is going back to the uh, Xbox because I got Resident Evil 8. I had them both reserved at the library and guess which one came in first? The Xbox nice. one. Couldn't <laughs> imagine why. Couldn't imagine. Couldn't, <laughs> no idea. Uh, but either way, yeah, same basic game. Actually, it runs better on the Series X, so I was kind of hoping I would get that one. I'm about halfway through it and it's fucking it's real Resident Evil-y. Uh, I'm enjoying it. It's it was one of those ones because like I didn't like number seven. I don't know if you remember when seven came out. I kind of oh, did yeah, the same thing, like a geek, and I was not super big on it. I think I was the only one who hated that one. So uh, going into this one, I was kind of hesitant about like the newer FPS games because I've been enjoying the remake ones, right? Like they've been doing they did Resident Evil two and three remakes last gen, or just like right at the end of last gen, really like on on the Xbox. I played them on one X, but you could get them on PS four basically, like. It was last mm-hmm. gen stuff and like they were great. And so I was like, oh, cool village. And everybody was talking about it. So I picked it up. There's still some jank that pissed me off from seven, like because it's in that first person view where like uh, hit detections kind of weird stealth sighting, mm-hmm. like the way how the characters will see you at a distance kind of thing in terms of like you hiding from them. Sometimes it seems like they are like they can fucking smell you from 500 miles away and know exactly <laughs> where so you are. Frustrating. And then sometimes it's like, you can walk up like right in front of somebody and be like, Oh shit. Did they see me? And like back up <laughs> and they don't react at all. And you're like, what? All right. That's weird. <laughs> so that kind of stuff's a little janky. Uh, the, the controls are a little sluggish, but I feel like that might be intentional because it is kind of survival horror. Like it's not as snappy as your standard first person kind of affair is. So either way, I actually got past more than two bosses before the hit detection, just like fucking, died on me uh like last in resident evil 7 i had a real problem with one of the bosses where i was like i'm not doing damage to this guy he we're just running around in circles and it went on forever and i was like this is annoying yeah the tall lady is pretty cool i guess lady like that dimitrescu yeah, yeah. Uh, i don't even know how to pronounce it and they've been saying so it at is, me for like three hours resident evil village right yeah so it's te- i mean i think it's resident evil 8 technically yeah yeah but so that's yeah it's, like its actual title is resident evil village yeah 
like that's yeah. there's that so many fucking memes about Lady Dimitrescu. Dimitrescu. Yeah, uh, it's been all over the place. This is not something I would recommend to you, obviously, because it's seven, eight games into a Resident Evil franchise that you've never played any of. I think I've played the first one or two Resident Evil games way back in the day on like PC or some shit. Yeah, they were PC games. Uh, I played Resident Evil 2 on PC back in the day because uh, it was probably the, was it the best version. It might not be. I'd have to go look at this point to see which one actually was. I had them on PlayStation. I feel like well, I played it like, around like around like my Half-Life days kind of thing when I was looking for other sort of similar games to that. Kind of was that like 2000, like 98, 2000 ish? Half Life? I'm trying to remember when Half Life no, 1 came out. No, the original Half Life, I feel like, was after that. It was like maybe 2000, maybe no. 2000 or 2002 or something like that. That was Half Life 2. Hold on. Yeah, 2004 is Half Life 2. So I guess Half Life must be like 2000. No, Half Life is. Uh, no, you're right. In, uh, 98. Yeah, 98. Yeah, yeah, see? Fuck. Mark knows. Well, I, did, I didn't. I didn't play half-life right when it came out i didn't play mm-hmm. it until uh, a few years later because i think i think i actually the first version i played of it was uh, half-life source yeah that makes sense when they, when uh, they redid it for the source engine the first version i played of half-life i built a pc my first pc that i built myself was in 2000 when i was at college like at uh, niagara and I'm pretty sure I probably, I mean, fuck yeah, I ran Half-Life on. Who the fuck didn't run Half-Life that year? <laughs> um, everybody was playing Half-Life. Uh, but that was in 1999, 2000. So I was yeah. a little behind on that one. But I did, like, I was aware of it because fucking everybody was talking about Half-Life that year. Holy shit, that game was popular. Yeah. Have you played Black Mesa yet? Fuck that, 4770 fucking actually run Black Mesa properly? <laughs> uh, I think I played Black Mesa. Okay. Yeah. It, was a, it was a cool, like, remake oh, of Half-Life. Out, yeah, it came out a while ago, didn't it? Uh, I I'd just gotten like a, a remaster of it or something last year. It was really good. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Either way, that's cool. I don't even know what we're talking about. We're talking about Resident Evil. Yeah. Yeah, sure. It's good. <laughs> Do you need to reboot your brain again? I'm like, like I'm half asleep, man. I've been just going all day. So uh, yeah, bear with me. I'm a little like fried. And I haven't mm-hmm. smoked anything yet. Oh, no, I did. Sorry. See, I haven't forgotten that I smoked something. <laughs> too, so. That's a problem. Yeah, it's going to be, you know, a little bit of a problem. Either way, if you have played, like, if you like Resident Evil and you like survival horror, I absolutely recommend uh, the Resident Evil games to you. Uh, you might want to go try one of the remakes before you dive into, like, the current stuff, or at least play 7 before you play 8 kind of thing, because that's kind of a new chapter to the story. It still ties mm-hmm. back to the old shit, but, like, kind of tangentially more than directly. But, yeah, no, I'm having a good time with it. It's the the tall lady's daughters are more my speed they're like blonde gothy girls and i'm just like yep <laughs> there it is that's they know how to fucking program for me i guess so there you go oh lady dimitrescu is probably close to your height though uh no she's taller than me man she's like, nine like nine five. yeah yeah nine <laughs> foot five i was like yeah it's a tall lady that, that's intimidating man that's way taller than me uh that's terrifyingly tall she is like it's crazy like how uncanny it is to like be moving around a character model that is just that unnaturally tall too yeah. you know what i mean like it's very weird unsettling kind of thing yeah it's kind of unsettling to like interact even just like in that virtual way where you're like kind of panning around them or whatever like uh or they're in your face in a camera kind of thing and like that much fucking taller than you even (laughs) virtually it's weird so it's either way now it's kind of like i get to know what everybody else feels like when they're around me i guess (laughs) i don't know so either way my head quite that much to look up at you no not not quite that much but either (laughs) way um yeah i would like yeah it's fine it's a good game i'm enjoying it I'll report like once I finish it, I'll probably have a better complete 
like review of it but for right now i'm enjoying what i played of it so far it really fucking is pushing my xbox pretty hard so like it looks really nice uh like you can see the you know it's got ray tracing and stuff features and looks pretty good so either way tim what's your geek of the week oh we did you already see i'm <laughs> we've had you know what the technical issues really fucking like kind of took me out of it i'm like i'm i'm Coming for a loop i'm way off fucking base now because i'm like i don't know what's happening because uh, yeah, because every time I tried to start, you'd fucking disappear. <laughs> I was like, I don't, "Is he there? I don't know what's going on. What am I doing?" It's part what? of my part of my strategy to disarm you. I'm fucking talking to myself or some <laughs> shit like that. So I don't know what's going on. Either way, we can move on now to meat of the episode. Meat of the episode. End times meat. Yeah. So uh, it's technically Tim's birthday tomorrow, I believe, as we're recording this. I'm not yep. sure. Facebook's telling me the wrong thing, but th- Facebook's You're fucking correct. sent to like UTC or something like that, which I don't know what that means. <laughs> it's just our, our messages. If I send a, t- a message to Tim right now, and it's 9:46 as I'm recording this, it says 1:46 a.m. I don't oh, know what fucking time zone. Me. I wonder if do you have like an ad blocker running or something like that? That might be. I'm behind like six VPNs, Tim. This is me we're talking about. You know what I mean? I'm paranoid, like at a whole new level these days. So, like, <laughs> fair enough. They can kiss my ass, but they I have no idea. Have no happens. idea where you are. <laughs> no fucking clue where I'm at anymore. It's all off the grid. Anyway, yeah, uh, it's Tim's birthday this week, and I had no fucking ideas for this week's episode. So I was like, Tim, what do you want to do? And he wanted to do Kingdom Come. So I was like, you know what? I haven't read that in. Actually, I probably hadn't read it since we read Marvels. And I think we read Marvels like last year sometime, maybe the year before. It was last time. Yeah, last year. It's been a little while since we, Tim and I did that one. So here we are reading, uh, this is 1996's Kingdom Come by, it's Mark Wade who wrote it. And uh, the great Alex Ross painted the interiors on this one. Yeah. Oh, you know what? (laughs) I had it open in Comixology and then I opened Sandman to start reading that. And it's like, well, how do we want to start? So like, why don't we start by like talking about like, did you read this when it came out? Because I was reading actively. I had a pull list and this was on it. Pretty soon after it came out. Like I, I, I didn't pick this up in single issues. This was back in the days when I was only reading. Geez, this is right around when I first started like actively collecting was 96. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like I was picking up all the Superman books at the time. And this was, you know, basically a Superman book. Superman sort of Elseworlds miniseries, more or less. Uh And so like as soon as I kind of became aware of it, I picked up the trade paperback of it. And fucking that thing, I've like read it over and over. It is like one of my probably my most read trade paperback that I own even, and I haven't even laid hands on it probably in 10 years. Cause it's been sitting in my parents' basement ever since I moved to Atlanta. Fair. Yeah. So. I, yeah, I similarly, like I actually picked up the single issue. So at some point when you take nice. my long boxes from me, you will get this, the originals. <laughs> Cause I have them from 96. I was, I was collecting. Um, and this is one of those ones that I was like excited about. Cause like wizard, right? Like this is one of those, you get to go back and talk oh, about yeah, wizard magazines. Hyped. Yeah. And it was mad fucking hyped in Wizard Magazine. And so I was like, fuck, I'm on board. I knew Alex Ross after Marvels. I was like, well, Jesus, if he's doing like, I loved what he did on Marvel. So like, let's see what he does with these DC characters. And for the most part, I'm usually pretty happy with it. I fucking hate his Batman. You know, like it's one of those, I can never get past the Alex Ross Batman. Although this version of it doesn't irk me. Yeah. Anywhere it's the near. fabric version. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I just I hate the way he draws Batman's outfit. It just drives me crazy. But yeah, so I read it when it came out, and I probably read it a couple times since then. It is like it's one of those trade paperbacks that I'll give to people who are like 
interested in comic books and seem to lean towards DC. I'm like, yeah, here, this is kind of what I would rec- like. This is how good this can get. Basically. This, this is one of those stories that encapsulates everything DC can be when it's firing on all cylinders kind of thing. So yeah. absolutely. If this is something, you know, if there's somebody that's like asking me for, give me the story or mini series that most encapsulates DC comics. This is what I would point them to. Yeah. So why don't we start by just kind of running through the plot, Tim? <laughs> why don't you run me through the plot of Kingdom Come? All right. So Kingdom Come, it's four issue miniseries. So first issue starts out with visions of a biblical apocalypse, except it's actually a very old Wesley Dodds, who is the Golden Age Sandman, uh, describing visions that he's been having. And he's describing them to Norman McKay, who's a pastor and who is our POV character for the story. Sort of similar to Marvel's in that respect and that we have yeah, this every Phil, man. Uh, yeah. Phil Shelton, I believe, was the character in Marvel's. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Wesley dies and we're just left basically with Norman, who's disillusioned with this sort of nebulously future world, probably like 40 or so years from present day when this is being published i would say i, well, I mean from present day from when this was published yeah but it yeah. feels like it's about five minutes into our future basically yeah, <laughs> if there were much. superheroes this is like where we'd be right now yeah uh, complete fucking anarchy at this point so yeah so pr- it's probably like you know the 2025 or 2030 or something like that yeah. uh, and it's just a world that's like overrun with metahumans and they're like the children and grandchildren of the og dc heroes uh, and they're like constantly causing damage with their antics this is a world where sort of superhero has become a curse word normal people are like looking to the skies in fear rather than an awe and wonder and most of the main villains that we know are and familiar with are gone they're they've been killed by this like new generation of quote-unquote heroes but i always find i just want to always like talking about like the new generation of heroes because like back in the day they talked about how this was all reactionary to the the new image you know group of heroes and stuff like that like what jim lee and those guys were doing and i'm like sure but like this is the natural evolution of this thing anyway like you've done this before i mean Jesus Christ, guys, Miracle Man happened not too long ago. You know what I mean? I mean, DC had done this before. That's what I mean. DC's done it. They they published Watchmen, right? Well, even in like the early 80s, they had done like, they'd like continued on their Earth 2 stuff to the point where you were getting like these next generation characters. Like you were getting like a Huntress that was like the daughter of Bruce Wayne and, uh, and Catwoman and Selena Kyle and shit like that. Yeah, I just meant more in terms of like treating the 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 new generation as villains. Like it was really brutal and yeah, yeah it, it felt like they, it was more like these creators commenting on what those creators were doing a lot, and that's kind of something that gets commented on like in reviews of this book, where it's like, yeah, this is just like I always want to say Kerbusic because he's the guy who wrote Marvels, but it's Mark Wade. Uh, Mark Wade just wanting to shit on what was going on in Image at the time. <laughs> okay. Yeah, fair enough. So, uh, yeah, so the, we're at the point where, like, human achievement is kind of meaningless at this point because everybody's like, what's the fucking point? There's all these crazy fucking powered people flying around. So there's no Olympic Games anymore or professional sports or Nobel Prizes. They've all kind of fallen by the wayside because there's so many people that have, you know, enhanced Super abilities extra normal yeah. abilities kind of thing at this point so uh norman our vehicle character walks into planet krypton which is basically planet hollywood uh but with superheroes instead of movie stars managed of course by booster gold 
Yeah. And all the servers, although we don't see them, they, there's a mention to them because uh, Fire from the Bwahaha Justice League era is asking for him at the bar. That's what I love about this fucking book. Like, we're, one of the things I love about this book is all those little, like, references and shit like that. They just drop in throughout that aren't necessary to get the story, but are just there for the people that get them. I always find it, find it kind of funny because, like, a lot of these props are, like, you'll see the bat plane on the page. Yeah, and it's, like, like, clearly the 40s bat, bat plane or, like. Or, like, Batman but, 66 costume. Yeah, it's clearly like Adam West is on that page and stuff. Yeah, yeah. so. Yeah. Or, like, the Chris Reeves, like, Superman suit and shit like that. All that yeah. shit is in this restaurant. And so the yeah. servers here are all dressed in, like, cheesy superhero costumes. Uh, but then uh, as he, he leaves, he doesn't even eat there. I don't know why he walks in. He's just mopey i guess well it's, it's part of him commenting on like how superheroes have been yeah. like completely commodified and stuff like that like they don't mean anything anymore they're just like basically what they mean in our world is just a marketing tool basically right so yeah. yeah and so then he he walks out and then he happens upon just this random superhero fight in the streets which apparently happens all the time because this city is just in constant fucking disrepair and he's lamenting that this new generation of heroes doesn't seem to share the morals of their predecessors, even though they have the same, you know, or, or similar levels of powers. So there's all these people that are like injured in the crossfire of this superhero fight amongst these new generations of heroes. In the middle of the fight, we find out that something terrible is happening in Kansas. We don't know exactly what yet. Uh, and then we end up with we see Norman giving like a big fire and brimstone revelation sermon to his septuagenarian congregation who all just look fucking super like off put and terrified <laughs> yeah all, all four of them too because he like he's obviously like his flock is dwindling pretty severely at this point because yeah. I, I mean yeah religion is always one of those weird things in superhero stories because it's like how do you believe i mean i guess it reinforces it in some ways but at the same time it's like there's a guy right there who does all this shit you know yeah. what i mean like just worship the guy you can see yeah, well, I'm, yeah, there's there's the point of view where you're like, I don't understand how anybody could have faith in a world like this. And then there's, you know, the the faithful that are like, these are maybe these are just, you know, a different incarnation or embodiment yeah. of angels or, you know, or unless you're like Norse or godly uh, creatures or something Greek or something like that, where like your gods are like actively <laughs> Like characters Thor in these stories, yeah, like yeah. Thor or Hercules. Or like, that's more on the Marvel Amazons side, I guess. Those or, two guys, yeah. But yeah, like the Amazons, or you know, yeah, especially like the Greeks in Marvel and DC yeah. is way more prevalent on the DC side. But like, yeah, like on Marvel, we've got Norse. Like they're in, they make jokes about it in Far From Home, right? Like, yeah, we're like some. There's a cult of Thor now, which like I was like, oh, you know what? That makes a lot of fucking sense actually. there's parts of superman that show up in the comics and shit like yeah that. absolutely well i mean yeah when he it's, dies like, it's a pretty regular like i think maybe every 10 years or something like that they dip into that kind of story where there's this a religious movement that springs up around superman or something it always totally makes sense for especially like how much they use him as like a messianic, messianic. kind of figure yeah. so like yeah that kind of tracks yeah. So our, our poor, poor man, Normie here, he's having a big old crisis of faith. And he's also started, he seems to have inherited Wesley's visions, these like, you know, apocalyptic visions that Wesley Dodds was happening, having before he died. Which I'm now, have you read Sandman? I'm trying to remember. It's been a long time since I read that old. There was a, a, a the Vertigo Sandman theater. Yeah. The Sandman mystery theater. No, stuff. It's one of the few DC titles, like post crisis DC titles that I still have to pick up. Yeah, uh, I read it back in the day, and I'm trying to remember if he had some kind of like. I, I feel like he had some kind of like psychicy power to help him find yeah. killers and shit or something like that. But it's been so long that I read it that 
It's a cool character design, anyways. I love like that character. Um, and Mystery the Science very, or whatever in Mystery Science Theater. The... <laughs> Sandman Mystery, Mystery Theater, Theater is one of my fucking favorite comics ever. It's just one of those weird fucking vertical books that gets fucking twisted and dark. So, yeah. if for anybody that doesn't know this character, it's uh, sort of a very noir, like detective-y gumshoe yeah. kind of outfit, and then with a gas mask, and yeah. uh, he has like sand gun. Well, he's got like a gas gun that puts yeah. people to sleep. Yeah, so that's why they call him the Sandman. Yeah. Then the Spectre, which is this. DC Universe's like Wrath of God character, sort of a demigod character, reveals himself to Norman, tells Norman that he needs him for something, doesn't tell him what just yet. And they go on sort of a big old like ghost of Christmas present kind of journey together where they can view things without being seen by the the people that are they're viewing and Spectre shows Norman a bunch of scenes of especially like the OG superheroes to start out so we start out with uh, I'm not going to say Clark because Clark has sort of given up on the Clark identity at this point Uh, so Cal and uh, Diana uh, are Cal is holed up in the Fortress of Solitude and has been for like 10 years Uh, his parents and Lois are all dead he's like totally cut himself off for the world from the rest of the world Uh, Diana convinces him to catch up on the news. And this is where we find out that uh, this dude Magog and his team were pursuing uh, Superman villain, the parasite who was like basically trying to surrender, but they kept attacking him anyways. Uh, Was it this Magog's justice battalion was attacking him anyways. And uh, captain Adam attacks parasite and parasite tore Captain Adam open while he was sort of like trying to defend himself. And because Captain Adam is basically a walking nuclear reactor, it was like a fucking nuclear bomb went off in Kansas. Yeah. And so like it renders Kansas and part, part of Nebraska, Iowa and Missouri, a total fucking like nuclear wasteland. The world economy starts collapsing because people are like, the fuck are we going to eat and shit like that? Then Cal's just like kind of shrugged his shoulders. Like, well, I'm going to do anything about that. (laughs) Just just like, yeah, bye. Bye, Diana. Yeah, your boy's fucking mopey in this story, by the way. <laughs> He's, he is pretty mopey. He's, he lost his Lois and Jimmy. He lost everybody. Yeah. So Spectre then shows Norman some of the other heroes. The Flash, who's basically just like a blur on the streets of Keystone City, City by this fucking, point. This is like my favorite fucking like idea of the Flash, where he just like he's moved so far so fast like, i don't know how to describe it exactly he's just like lost he's, he's lost to the speed reality, force and yeah he's completely point, yeah he, the only person because there's even comic they don't do it in the comic but like i was reading some of like the the notes that are in some of the trades yeah, yeah. here and like mark wade was definitely like i i basically wanted to play it like the only person who was capable of like perceiving him was superman anymore like that's how fast yeah. he's moving at all times that you would have to be like like at a Kryptonian level of speed and power to like even understand that the flash was in the room with you anymore. Yeah. Cause he's just always vibrating. He can't, cause he's just gone. He's, he's in a million, he's warp 10. He's um, everywhere at once, basically in this version, which I just, it's, it's a cool look. And it's just yeah. like, when you think about the flash, like evolving the flash to like, it's complete extreme. This is a really logical way to go. Yeah. So, and Alex Ross renders it really nicely. Oh, as well. it's like, yeah. No, but you wouldn't be able to do this with standard, like comic book rendering basically. Cause it's just like, he's faded. He, like the figures there, but he's faded out and blasted across like time, basically, you know what I mean? Like across the panel. Mm-hmm. So it's, it looks really cool. Yeah. Either way. And then we also see Hawkman who has evolved into like an eight foot, eight or nine foot fucking Hawk 
or manhawk creature at this point protecting yeah. the forests of the north the pacific northwest and then green lantern who's got like this emerald castle in space and then uh, batman who is basically using bat sentry robots to keep gotham safe at this point then we kind of see another superhero battle it's kind of hard to tell who the good guys and the bad guys are a cable car comes loose and uh <laughs> i'm going to use a smallville term here a red blue blur Rounds yeah. up the aggressors and saves everyone. Uh, and then we find out that it's actually Superman, that he's back and he is not fucking happy. Yeah. Big, big, big black red S chest going yeah. on here. Uh, it's my favorite Superman logo, basically. I know that's like the like the most good. tiny esoteric thing to get hung up on, but I love the Kingdom Come like S slash. Uh, I wish they would adapt it to the real thing. Yeah. But it's even like just the way it. It, it it still implies the S without having to do all that extra filigree stuff that they do. Yeah, uh, I think it's like more, graphically works fucking chest angry. kiss. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I, I dig it. So, uh, so that's the end of issue one. Start of issue two, we see some like super white supremacist douchebags that have occupied the Statue of Liberty, which is clearly already seen some shit. It's got big ass fucking holes in it. It's like clearly under repair. Come on, man, Lobo fucking tagged it. So, <laughs> he did. Like, fat fat balding logo who we see later in this issue i fucking love fucking (laughs) shitty lobo yeah oh great don't watch season two of krypton it's the worst fucking lobo ever oh i've heard it was terrible so yeah they made his accent scottish for some reason oh he's clearly australian (laughs) i don't know why he would do anyway uh, another group attacks these white supremacist douchebags, and then just again, a lot of bystanders are getting hurt. Uh, then the, the full on like Justice League descends. It starts out as Superman, Wonder Woman, Flash, Green Lantern, Hawkman, Power Woman, yeah. uh, former the former Power Girl, and the Ray, who's originally a Freedom Fighters character, which is a weird pull, but a cool character, just the same. And they sort of take care of the situation and diffuse everything superman gives a speech in front of the un saying they're back and that they're going to try and rein in this new out of control generation of metahumans you forgot that he also recruited dick uh because red robin shows oh, up. right red dick robin race. yeah this is our first glimpse of like uh any version of robin, that red yeah. robin character which is yeah. dick grayson sort of re-recruited to the justice league side they they all they don't really ever he's always shown as sort of a background like they never really do much with him yeah, I was I was like, what always bugs me, uh, like bugs me about this is that he should just be Nightwing. Like, mm. it makes no sense to me that he would go back to Robin aside from fuck Bruce. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> just to stick it to Bruce. It's the only reason he would do that. So, like, it's a cool, especially it's a when cool he's like getting man. recruited by Superman, who is the reason why he took the Nightwing moniker kind of thing. Like, that's where the, the name comes from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think he would have stuck with that. But yeah, no, I like this costume. And like, I'm glad they've adapted like the majority of his design to Tim Drake's. Uh, yeah. outfit in the comics most of the time like i know he kind of flits back and forth between the red robin stuff no, and a more standard no, robin Drake. costumes oh is he oh fuck i don't even want to know you know what i don't want to know let's keep moving <laughs> <laughs> cal goes to gotham and to wayne mansion which is in ruins we find bruce and basically an exoskeleton at this point yeah. uh, presumably because so many years as batman has just fucking destroyed his body and he's just like the sassiest old fucking man oh, yeah. like that's ever existed. And I'm pretty sure he's using uh old oh shit, what's the guy's name? I can remember his fucking name. Describe the character. You're talking to who Ross is using as a character model? Yes. Gregory Peck. Holy Gregory shit. Peck. Why did it take yeah, me so long to that. get to Gregory fucking Peck? Either way, yeah. He I think he seems to be like using Gregory Peck as 
like his Batman model, which makes sense because like Gregory Peck in his elderly years was a snarky motherfucker too. So there's that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he gets some fucking like good. He just really starts tanking on Clark here. Oh yeah, they they have a, a little like classic Batman Superman back and forth banter like. Batman's or Bruce's criticizing Superman for abandoning the world while Bruce has pretty much turned Gotham into police state at this point. Batman was always kind of a fascist character when it comes (laughs) down to it, you know? So like there's that, but yeah, ruling by fear. And then needless to say, Bruce is says, fuck you. When Superman asks him to like join the league. Yeah. When Superman leaves, we find out that Bruce has some allies. We see Green Arrow, Black Canary, and Blue Beetle are on Bruce's side, along with a bunch of the younger generation of heroes as well. Yeah, a team which is clearly the outsiders that they never just call the outsiders. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's like Batman recruits a bunch of other heroes that he needs to do something and doesn't want to bother the Justice League. That's just called Batman and the Outsiders. <laughs> this is a book that's been happening for years. So either way. Uh, yeah, no, I, I like, I love that even in a Superman based story like this, they still got to give Bruce like his own separate army and a yeah. scene where he tells Clark to go fuck himself like four <laughs> yeah. times. <laughs> so over. Yeah. Repeatedly. Uh, yeah. I'm always on board for like, this is my favorite. I don't know. Like old Bruce. I love old Bruce when he just gets to be the snarky dickhead. So, yeah. so there's you know, like Batman beyond. Yeah, man. Like this is my Bruce Wayne. This is much I am. <laughs> I'm all bored. I don't like cause he's like he he owns everybody in this by the end. You know what I mean? Like he fucks Luther over. Yeah. He basically <laughs> oh, gets so, exactly so what he wants. Man. He's Batman. You don't fuck with him. I don't know mm-hmm. why these guys you would think after this much time, they'd be like, No, we just don't fuck with Bruce Wayne because like yeah. he's gonna fucking ruin your life. You know what I mean? And <laughs> they just keep doing it. I don't know why. <laughs> Superman and his Justice League keep doing their work. They're trying to bring sort of hope to alleviate people's fear. And uh, as they're sort of diffusing and, and, you know, stopping these just random fucking metahuman fights that are happening, they're recruiting new members as well. And then finally, we meet the remaining villains that have rebranded themselves as the Mankind Liberation Front, which is pretty fucking generous. Uh, Led by Lex Luthor, of course, but then there's also Catwoman, Riddler, Vandal Savage, the Naga, who's the leader of Cobra. Yeah. King from the Royal Flesh Gang, which is a weird fucking pull. I was, I, I was going to say that's a weird pull, right? And then yeah. uh, Damian Wayne's there, and too. And then, yeah, Ra- Rachel Ghoul's heir, who's um, here called Ibn Al-Zuvash, uh, who's basically a proto-Damian Wayne character. Which, I mean, actually, no, it, it, it has to be Damian Wayne, because that's even Al Zufash is just his title. It's Son of the Bat. Like, that's what it well, means. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, so. but was Damian Wayne wasn't introduced by. No, not yet. Six, but like, but, by, yeah. like, like in retrospect, it has, it makes no sense for it to be anybody but Damian. Yeah, because <laughs> it, well, it is that character, weird, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it's such a weird. Kingdom Come occupies such a weird space because it is an Elseworld story, yeah. but so many of these characters end up getting pulled end up getting introduced into the main continuity later on. Yeah. Like Damien. Well, I mean, like, we'll Damien Damien was one of those characters who was like bound to come back eventually. And like, I think this probably was the first instance of him being brought back as like a character you could interact with as opposed to just like Talia is pregnant and has disappeared at this point. Yeah, Cause yeah. that was one of those like dangling stories from the Neil Adams era, Neil Adams and Denny O'Neill era. Right. Yeah. Or like he knocked Where her up. Those, like like Bane of the Demon, Son of the Demon books. And yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's good shit. We should read those someday too. Because that pay, it's Patreon content. Patreon pain, content. Those ones are a pain in the fucking ass to get my hands on, but I did get my hands on them. They were a pain in the ass just to collect fucking in trades at one point. So like, I can only imagine what the single issues were yeah. like. 
So we find out that the Mankind Liberation Front has been sort of manipulating things from behind the scene. They've been arming metahumans. They've been delaying aid to Kansas. They're basically trying to ramp up tension between the humans and the metahumans so people will sort of take the world back from the metas. Just sounds like the Senate right now. I don't understand how this is any different than what we have right now. (laughs) And uh, we find out that Luther also has Captain Marvel in his Billy Batson grown-up Billy Batson persona under his control somehow. Then Superman visits a metahuman bar, which is just full of fucking beautiful Easter eggs. Just go look at these fucking pages. They're I mean, so, like, so much fun. Yeah, Lobo's in the first panel. Yeah. Creeper's in panel two. You know, like, Creeper it's, looks like hell. It's yeah, Creeper looks fun. terrible. <laughs> fucking awesome. Uh, but yeah. yeah, so many great fucking little Easter eggs in this whole fucking thing, but in this scene in particular. Superman melts a mirror also as a callback <laughs> to Superman 3. I just want to point that and, out. Here. And breaks a bunch of bottles of booze, yeah. too. So yeah. uh, he makes And then he makes a pitch to a bunch of the patrons to sort of join the Justice League. And then he flies off, and then Oliver Queen is like, all right, now let me tell you what we got to offer in the Batman side of things. Yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> doing straight up Ollie shit. Oh, wait, you know what I just noticed? Dead man's in the middle of this scene too. Oh, dead man's in this thing. And you, he can totally fucking see Norman, which we'll come back yeah. to later. Like he's, yeah, he's fixated he's on looking, Norman. He's, he's looking, looking, he's looking right at him. Yeah. Okay, yeah he's the I only know. person in the bar. Cause, cause through all of this, this we're seeing all of this through the eyes of, of Norman still. So yeah. this is specter taking Norman around to show him the developments, what's going on in the world kind of thing that leads to this big, epic moment i've read this book like god i don't know how many times and i never noticed how many panels where you see uh dead man just like leering behind oh there's plastic man too look at that that's cool plaza in there too yeah yeah all right yeah no it's that's one of those things that i i recognized a while back but there were a bunch of things this read through that i totally had missed on previous read throughs because that's just like the art is just so fucking dense yeah, it's I, I almost and in some ways to its detriment and some ways to its benefit. Like sometimes it's like I don't have no yeah. fucking idea what I'm supposed to be looking at. And sometimes it's like it's so well done. Yeah, it, it kind of ruins other comic art for you for a little while after <laughs> yeah, you seriously. see it. So it's kind of weird. Uh, then Cal and his team start going out. They go, start going international to rein in these out of control metas. But then they start finding more and more that can't be like or that will refuse to be reformed or to join them. And so they approach Arthur Curry, formerly Aquaman, to request, like, make the ability to make an under permission to make an underwater penal colony. Him and Diana go down and, and ask Arthur and Arthur's like, fuck, no, you're not dumping your fucking trash into the ocean again. You've done enough of that already. Yeah. Mara's got like a lot. She's throwing a lot of shade from uh, the back <laughs> there, too. Eh? She's got like yeah. looking down her nose like crazy. Yeah. Good. Then we find out uh, in this scene also that Diana has been stripped of her sort of princess title and also her Amazonian heritage because the Amazons basically decided like she failed her mission to make the world more peaceful, which fair. Yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> the world's kind of in sh- like a, in shambles at this point. So Yeah, and at this point, Clark and Diana start having like this falling out between them where Clark's clearly not comfortable as things become more and more like totalitarian, you know, they're sort of going around the law and making their own law and shit like that. And Diana's like, this is what we need to do, which is just perfect. Like that's the way these two characters should interact and work in this, in this story. It's very telling that like these two have friction immediately when Bruce isn't in the fucking picture to kind of mediate between the two of them too. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
So, and then they finally find Magog, who's just kind of been like off the grid. He's the one that had caused this fucking disaster in Kansas and he's still in Kansas and they go and confront him. And then Magog gives us a bunch of sort of history and flashback where we find out that it was that Joker attacked the daily planet and killed dozens of people, including Lois and Jimmy and Magog killed the Joker in revenge and then Magog is tried for the murder of the Joker and the they acquit him because they're yeah. basically like, fucking Joker's a mass murderer. He probably deserved to die. So whatever. And then this is what caused Superman to exile himself. He's just like, there's no justice left in the world. Fuck off. Bye. Also, my wife is dead and I'm not happy about that. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> Magog's like, I can't believe how lazy the design on Magog is, too. Really? It's it's I'm just ca- it's just cable with the Loki helmet on. <laughs> yeah, with some gold. Well, I mean, yeah, Shirt, so shirtless like, shirtless uh, Loki. Shirtless. It was just, oh, it's just cable. I mean, like it's cables like body with like Loki's helmet. Like it's just cable with Loki stuff on. Yeah, it. he's got the one the one messed up eye or whatever. Yeah, so it's 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 strange that like they use cable as the commentary, like the the focal know, character. It's more like of, a like, ram. Yeah, I guess it's kind of Loki helmet, but it's like the ram's head. Uh, how I, I mean, I'm you would have read this initially being more familiar with Cable and Loki than I was. So, yes, I, didn't, I, true. Didn't see I don't see that. Yeah, I was I, I like by 96, 97 when this was coming out, I was full bore like Spider-Man insane and X-Men were like, I mean, come on, mid 90s X-Men. I mean, even as a Superman DC guy, you had to realize like was that was the biggest conscious. book on the planet. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you had fucking a pulse in the '90s, you were aware of the and like read comics. X Men was like number one for the entire decade. Like you couldn't get away from fucking X Men, like Age of Apocalypse and all that shit that was going on. I was reading X Men religiously throughout this era. So yeah, as soon as I saw this character design, I remember thinking like, hey, he's just he really just he's hammering on these new guys' characters a lot because this is just Cable. Like it looked like Cable with a Loki helmet on. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. But then we, we find out that Magog basically resented Superman for leaving because Magog was like, was trying to position himself as like, I'm the replacement for Superman. But then he, when Superman left, he realized he was not fucking ready to take on the responsibility of being Metropolis's protector, let alone like the planet's protector league and that kind of thing. So, uh, so he kind of like fucking breaks down and everyone in front of them and, and surrenders, which is a nice moment. Like you're expecting a it's it's a nice subversion, right? You're expecting yeah. a big fucking battle. And in retrospect, you just see this guy that's trying to make right something yeah. that he knows that he knows that he caused that went fucking terribly wrong. It's yeah. just so frustrated. He can't fucking do anything right. And like realizing he can't live up to like yeah. the example of superman basically also who the fuck can uh i mean yeah you it's it's either him or batman right (laughs) there's not really too many people who can stand up to that example so so then we flash to apocalypse just curious this scene is in you you read a collected edition right ah this time yeah yeah so and this this apocalypse scene was in your the edition that you read yeah, the, the, I'm reading the 20th anniversary edition, deluxe okay. edition. This wasn't in the first single issues, but it's in nope. the digital versions and yeah. also in the trade in any collected editions. It was new for the first trade when it came out. I remember because I is what I have. The, I, my the trade I have is like the first printing. Yeah, which pissed me the fuck off because it meant I had to buy the trade to see these pages, which I did eventually. So I didn't have to open my fucking issues anymore because I was like, wait, these books might be valuable at some point. I had that inkling at the very least. And uh, (laughs) because it's an Alex Ross book and they always just kind of shoot up in value constantly. I don't know what those singles are worth. Hopefully they're worth something. You might not get them if you tell me how much they're worth, to be honest. (laughs) I might just eBay them. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know how much they're, they're worth on their own. 
Then, so yeah, we flash to Apocalypse and we find Superman talking with Orion, who has assumed leadership of Apocalypse after killing Darkseid, presumably. They never straight out say it, but it's pretty fucking heavily implied yeah. that he killed his father. Well, I mean, that's the, the cyclical story of the new gods, you know what I mean? Yeah. Is that the father it's will kill the son. Yeah. So. And uh, so basically he's going to Orion to ask for help or advice in containing the metahumans. But then he finds that Orion is basically settled much too comfortably into that role of ruler of apocalypse. And so, in, so instead he goes, how much are they worth? Uh, I'm only like the most I'm seeing is like 73 bucks for like the, all four books. Oh yeah. I'm seeing one here. That's 24 bucks for all four issues. That's, that's, that's fucking not bad fucking, at all. That's really cheap. Like, yeah. Oh, well, fuck it. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I guess those are coming to me anyway. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I thought they'd be worth more by now. That's crazy. Maybe it's, you know what, it's I mean, one of those ones that maybe trades kind of fucking completely devalued it at this point. You know what I mean? It is like, one of those ones that like is constantly in publication. Like they're always yeah. printing it and, they're, and DC's always putting it on their like list of essential DC graphic novels kind of thing. Well, so Jesus Christ, why would you not? Like yeah. you've got two of the, the best fucking talents of the 90s firing on all fucking cylinders. You may as well go to town because like we can we'll blow Alex Ross, I'm sure. But like we really need to spend some time talking about. Like, the, like Mark Wade fucking crushes his project oh, yeah. in terms of like Absolutely. the deep, deep fucking cuts he pulls because he's like Mark Wade's one of those scary like Tom Brevoort style guys who just fucking knows everything about the universe he works on. It's mm-hmm. terrifying kind of guy. So, but yeah, uh, I like this is one of those pages of like when I saw him, I was like, oh, this makes a total amount of sense to have. Yeah, like continue that cyclical story of the new gods, and yeah. I love that reveal of uh, Orion where like they show him like in silhouette and it you, you think he's talking to dark side until he yeah. turns around and you see that Orion is just kind of slowly, but surely becoming his, his father. Yeah. And it's, it's a very yeah. star Wars kind of thing too. Well, that's, I mean like a lot of the new gods and star Wars are, you know, ripped off from the same places. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, but ultimately, uh, Cal recruits Scott free, Mr. Miracle and big Barda to help him, And they build this huge fucking gulag in the middle of Kansas that ends up looking like basically the old school Legion of doom headquarters, which I thought yeah. was a nice little touch. Well, I mean like the UN is basically the old justice, like super friends headquarters, yeah. right? In yeah. this. So the, yeah. The hall of justice. Yeah. That's it. Sorry. Yeah. I don't fuck DC guys. Come on. Sorry. <laughs> and that was a nice. I'm always disappointed by how little Barda and Mr. Miracle are is in this story just because I'm a big fucking Mr. Miracle dork sometimes. Like I get yeah. Big Barda in particular is one of those characters like those two characters together is I'm always like, Oh, that's interesting. You did read interesting. that Tom King series, didn't you? I did, yeah. It was fucking really oh, good. good. Yeah. yeah. Probably the best like, you know, honestly, like I didn't mind his Batman stuff, but like that was probably his best work that I've read at DC so far. Yeah, so. I think so. Me too. Either way. I'm not not digging his Rorschach quite as much. Yeah, I I couldn't get into those first couple issues. Yeah, it's and like his Batman lot, left me a little a flat. And like, yeah. So then we go back to the villains again, find that they're teaming up or allying with Bruce and his team. Superman is trying to re-educate these detainees in the gulag, which like the second that and it, they actively call it a gulag, like that's a fucking red flag in everybody's <laughs> face, right? Like, wait, maybe we shouldn't be operating a gulag, guys. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. You got to slide down that fascist pole sometimes. So. <laughs> yeah. There and it this, is. And this re-education center, maybe isn't the yeah. best idea. So he's trying to re-educate these out-of-control metahumans that they've had to detain on sort of the responsibility that they have being powered beings. But they're 
being held against their will. So they're not exactly super eager to listen to no. what Cal has to say. And then Luther and the villains have a spy in the gulag so they can see tensions running high, which is exactly what they fucking want. And then uh, Norman and the Spectre observe the quintessence, the big, like, immortal overseers of the DC universe. So it's uh, the wizard Shazam, the phantom stranger, Ganthet, one of the guardians that founded the Green Lanterns, High Father from the New Gods, and Zeus from the Greek Pantheon. And then the Spectre joins them, and Norman is just kind of fucking left on his own in the void for a bit. And this is where Deadman comes back, who could... Definitely see Norman in the back at that bar earlier and who tells Norman about how the Spectre's host used to be a human. Yeah. And it's just a really fun. I love that design of dead man where he's like, rather than having like the sunken face and everything, he's just a fucking straight up skeleton in a suit. Yeah. Yeah. This is my favorite. Uh, I love dead man. And it, cause it's just one of those creepy DC characters, characters, right? Yeah. So you do a lot of fun shit with them cause you can possess anybody and shit like that. Yeah. And- yeah. He's a regular as a, a Batman guest. He was one of those, like, if you do a Batman team up book, it's like Dead Man's going to be in issue five. It's yeah. just guaranteed, you know, he's going to be there. He'll help so. the bat solve a mystery or something. Or murder oh, or yeah. Some shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they think they use him in the animated series in that capacity also when they did introduce him. Did they not? I'm sure, they did Dead Man. I, I imagine something. So. I feel like I, maybe it was in one of the animated movies. Or no, it might have been the Etrigan. They did an Etrigan episode at one point of like Justice League. And I think mm-hmm. Dead Man was in there. But either way, yeah, I like the Dead Man character. He pops up occasionally here and there in like weird vertigo stuff too. Like he's a Constantine kind of regular also like he pops up in that kind of corner of the universe also. So, so back on green lantern satellite fortress, which is kind of what the justice league has started using as their, uh, their headquarters soups and wonder woman are having another sort of heart to heart about how they shouldn't try to use force to keep peace on earth. Uh, whereas Diana's like, I mean, that's the whole Amazonian thing is like peace through force kind of thing. And then we see Lex putting Billy Batson through a clockwork orange kind of scene where he's forcing him to watch images of superheroes fighting and killing civilians in the crossfire. And like clearly his young self is like front and center of the first panel of him getting like fucking blasted (laughs) through the chest. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Very convenient. I mean, these aren't this isn't real footage, although they're. Probably is tons of footage like this that could be showing. Yep, Um, absolutely. Lex is also clearly using these little like mind control worms that are reminiscent of the absolutely ridiculous Mister Mind character. Well, he he talks about Mister Mind, does he not? Like he's talking about. Oh no, he's talking about Savannah. Savannah was the one that developed these little mind control worms. Uh, He's using them to control Billy's mind and keep him sort of under Luther's thrall. Yeah, see, this is just a Star Trek 2 riff to me. So <laughs> That too. Although I, I feel like Mr. Mind probably predates Wrath of Khan. <laughs> Why might? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> That's an old, goofy fucking 60s villain, if, if there ever was one. Well, I mean, like, the putting a bug in somebody's ear to control their brain is old sci-fi trope either way. But it's just like, yeah, it, it always brings me back to fucking Ricardo Montalban and that chest. Yeah. You know? So... Yep, for sure. Uh, we see Luther and Bruce Wayne looking over mass production of his of Bruce's bat centuries, and then they sit around a big Doctor Strange love style like war room table with the other villains and Bruce's allies, and discuss how their like their plan to take down the Justice League. We go back to the Emerald. I'm gonna just gonna call it the Emerald City. That's basically what it fucking is. Where the Flash, because he's basically a metaphysical being at this point and is just constantly vibrating, can see Norman. And pulls Norman like into phase with everybody else, so the Justice League can see him. 
Yeah. No, is there, is this like, does this predate Speed Force as like a concept in the comics? Cause like, what, I don't think does, so. No, I feel like, I feel like that came around in the 90s with like the Wally West. Yeah. I feel like that was part of the, 80s. like, uh, the Ringo run, like he was already talking about. Like, I think it was Mark Wade who Wade, did the yeah, Speed Wade. Force stuff, right? Yeah. It was like yeah. the big uh, flash run with Ringo back in the day. Oh, yeah. it was too. Holy shit. Yeah. No, it was Mark Man. Wade for sure. God, Mike, remember Mike Wade Ringo? God, that guy yeah. could fucking draw. God damn. It's another series I have, but I haven't read the whole thing. Oh, that's actually a, a series I have read. Uh, I, I, I started that. reading that series. I mean, not well after Mark Wade departed, but like mm-hmm. around like issue 200 or something like that. And it went to like 230 or something. Yeah. So no, like that hit, the, the Mark Wade Ringo years of Flash are like some of my fucking favorite DC books ever. It's just yeah. fantastic writing on top of just, fuck, I love that guy's pencils. I miss him. <laughs> so good. Uh, yeah, no, I like this, the where he pulls him out of the time. Like the, he's so out. Like he can perceive so much now because he's moving so fast that he can see them phased out of reality or whatever and pulls them out yeah. and stuff. Yeah. I do think it's interesting that they have like it's a Green Lantern construct instead of like they didn't have a watchtower in this universe ever that was yeah. abandoned and they repurpose or whatever. It's just like Green Lantern's construct that he just constantly keeps. Uh, I was trying to figure out like how does manifested. this thing like if he goes to sleep does it not just disappear like how does this work? It's anyway? one of those situations where you know it's they're, they're just hand waving it as like oh Green Lantern has such mastery of his powers now that he can dedicate you know part of his consciousness constantly to keeping certain constructs made permanently like or whatever. Fucking it's super horse, like full fucking like star bases in orbit yeah, of Earth exactly. he's just keeping there. All right. Yeah. Sure. Anyway. So Norman is now visible to the entire Justice League and he tries to warn them about what he's seen, but he gets flustered. So he just starts fucking like quoting Revelation scripture at them Uh, before anybody can really question him to any stretch. uh, A riot breaks out in the gulag and then Norman like slips away with the specter in the commotion. They send some people down to sort of get the riot under control. But Superman and Wonder Woman have a meeting in the UN who have learned about the gulag and are not particularly happy about it. So they confront him. They confront them about it. Lex also learns about the riot, sends Captain Marvel to destroy the Gulag and free the metahumans so that they can attack with their bat sentries. But Bruce is always a fucking step ahead of everybody, including Lex Luthor. Yep. And he decks Billy Batson uh, as he realizes what Luthor is up to. And he reveals that he'd only allied with Luthor to figure out how Captain Marvel was supposed to sort of work into Luthor's plans. And I love that he still has like fucking like Ollie sitting there like, how long have you known? And he's like, I've suspected for a while. Shut the fuck up, Ollie. You're never going to be as good at this as I am. Exactly. Like, fuck off. You goddamn second rate Batman. That's all you are is a second rate Batman with a fucking bow and arrow. That's it. (laughs) How dare you fucking doubt me? (laughs) Yeah, goddamn it. That's why you're my goddamn sidekick now. You bald, goateed bastard. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Bruce always just fucking running the shop, you know? (laughs) And then Bruce gives his allies a signal and they attack the other villains and like subdue and capture them all. Uh, Billy gets loose. Bruce chases him into Luther's lab where Billy accidentally crashes into the tank where Luther was breeding the mind control worms. And then Billy ends up covered in them and panics and says his magic word, which Bruce has been trying to stop him from doing so that he becomes Captain Marvel for the first time in ages. Stepping on his fucking neck for a minute yeah. there. Like, uh, Bruce did the heavy-handed tactics. Not uh, not a light touch, Bruce no, Wayne. Was, uh, oh, there's a little bit of a fucking George Floyd on Billy Batson there. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so uh, Then gets back. they go back to the satellite, and uh, Superman and Wonder Woman are having another back and forth over whether lethal force is needed to stop the metahumans riot in the gulag. The 
efforts to quell the riot are apparently not going well. They've started killing members of the league. Yeah. And then Wonder Woman leads a force to take control of the Gulag and Superman goes to ask Bruce for help. Now, can I ask a question briefly? Um, this is the costume that Wonder Woman's get decking out in that she wears in Wonder Woman 84, which we yes. don't try to talk about a lot. But like, is this the first appearance of that big gold yeah. hawk monstrosity? Fair yeah, enough. this is where that armor, that armor originates, which is honestly was one of my favorite, at least visuals of Wonder Woman 84 was I, I thought that they rendered that pretty well. Yeah, no, that'll look good. Quote, unquote, right. live action. I'm not going to complain about seeing Gal Gadot in anything. So there's that. <laughs> oh, and then Bruce warns uh, Superman about Captain Marvel, uh, who shortly thereafter breaks the gulag completely open, releasing the detained metas on Wonder Woman and the rest of the Justice League. So we get this huge fucking brutal battle raging outside the gulag and then Superman arrives and starts fighting Captain Marvel and they're basically at like a total fucking standoff, like standstill at the oh. center of it, like evenly matched kind of thing. I see you gloss over it. Like he does go back to Bruce and Bruce again tells him to go fuck himself. <laughs> he does. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Bruce, Bruce tells him to fuck himself before Bruce warns Superman about Captain Marvel. Yeah. He's like, listen, you, you go fuck yourself, but also which is, go fuck yourself again. <laughs> because this funny is funny because. He's like, it, like twenty minutes later, he totally fucking shows up. Yeah, <laughs> to oh, yeah. Help. yeah. Well, he knew what he was doing. This is Bruce. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's fucking, he's fucking a clerk at this point. Yeah. So, so yeah, Superman and Captain Marvel are beating the shit of each other, like totally even matched. This whole fucking battle is one of my favorite superhero fights of all time. Meanwhile, the United Nations is like, fuck this. We're just gonna drop three huge fucking nukes on all of them in an effort just to end all of this bullshit. And Batman and his allies then just, again, like five minutes after fucking Bruce has told Superman to fuck himself, he's like, all right, guys, we're going out there to help him. (laughs) And shows up with uh, all all those bat sentries and everything as well. Uh, Diana kills this white supremacist bastard behemoth guy like Von Bach because he was about to kill young. I'm going to call him young Zatara. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Zatanna's son, I'm guessing. Yeah. And then uh, Bruce and Diana argue about it in the heat of the battle because, like, Bruce still believes killing is unnecessary. Uh, so they, they, that's at least the common ground that he has with, uh, with Cal. Yeah. Diana flies Bruce up above the clouds while, like, berating him. But then they see the planes approaching with the nukes and they're like, well, we have a bigger problem now. Yep. <laughs> and then uh, back in the heat of the battle, Marvel starts calling down his magic lightning to hurt Superman. Uh, Diana and Bruce take out two of the planes so that they can't drop their nuclear payloads, but one of them drops a bomb, which looks suspiciously like Kal-El's birthing matrix ship from the Man of Steel miniseries. Intentional on Alex Ross's part, from I'm what sh- I remember. I'm positive. The commentary. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It totally was. He calls it out. He's like, I did that on purpose. So, yeah, yeah, makes sense. Uh, yeah. uh, Supes is in rough fucking shape, but he does manage to get his hand over Billy's mouth before he can say his magic word again, and in the Billy Batson form rather than in the Shazam form. Yeah, which is kind of like good thing Superman's got lots of control when he fucking reaches out to touch, like to grab him, because otherwise he's <laughs> pulling his fucking head off. Because <laughs> regular human and Kryptonians don't mix so well, especially because yeah. we're like we talk about Superman's at the point where like even Kryptonite doesn't affect him anymore. Like he's at that like yeah, it's just senior super level, like golden age or like silver yeah. age level powered Superman. Yeah. We're talking about here, yeah. Uh, but because he's able to get his hand over Billy's mouth, he can now hear the nuke approaching, and. This is the point at which the Spectre is like, okay, Norman, time to make your choice. Yeah, so, so dumb. <laughs> so the Spectre tells Norman here that he brought Norman along with him to pass judgment and decide who should live and who should die here, basically. Whether the metahuman should all be d- 
destroyed or whether they should be allowed to survive and basically human the human race will probably end if that is the case. So, yeah, whether all of this shit is the fault of the superheroes or the humans. And he sort of influences Superman. He sort of speaks through Superman. And through Superman, he tells Billy that uh, he's going to Superman is going to try to stop the bomb. And he knows that he can, but that Billy should be the one to make the decision. He knows that Billy can stop him still, basically. Yeah. Uh, but, and that Billy should be the one to make the decision whether or not he tries to stop Superman because Billy has one foot in both worlds. He is a normal human when he's Billy Batson, but he's also basically a fucking god as Captain Marvel. Yeah. So Superman flies off to stop the bomb, but Billy becomes Captain Marvel again and throws Superman back to Earth. And Captain Marvel flies to the bomb and calls down the lightning on it while it's still well above the ground, but it does fucking detonate it and kills a lot of the fucking metahumans. Uh, it leaves Superman seemingly alone in a field of like skeletons and metahuman corpses. And again, not very happy. Nope. And, and Superman does the iconic angry... shot of him screaming like oh, on yeah. his knees with his arms, like out to the side, screaming with fists and shit. Like, yeah, yeah it's just, that, just shot's like... Like a, that cloud of nuclear fucking blast, like dispersing around him kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, it's an iconic fucking shot. Like both pages, like the one where it's closed up on him. And then like the next one, it's just like, this graveyard of fucking skeletons that are like Mm -hmm. smoking still and him in the middle of it, like screaming. It's quite nice. Quite nice. So yeah, super impactful. Uh, Then Superman does the angry glowy eyes thing and flies off to the UN, believing everybody here is dead. There's no survivors, but we stay behind with Spectre and Norman for a bit and see that there are some survivors that were shielded from the blast by powers or because Marvel didn't let the bomb like detonate on the ground. So he saved some people, I guess. Well, I mean, it's like, like, yeah, the the tippy top, right? Like the Green Lantern kind of survives and shit. So, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, no, <laughs> the Spectre's kind of like, okay, bye, I'm out of here. And then Norman's like, the fuck you do not, <laughs> and makes the Spectre take him to the UN, where Superman is on the cusp of committing fucking mass murder, killing all of these UN bastards. He's not super happy with uh, the UN. And like, I keep looking at the guy who like kind of makes the decision to drop the nuke and stuff. I'm like, it, it almost looks like he's Wrong trying to do, I think his name is. Yeah. He looks like he's trying to do, use Mitch Pelagi, but not do Mitch Pelagi. Like remember yeah. uh, Skinner from yeah, X-Files. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's what sure. it always reminds me of that painting. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Soups is like tearing the fucking, uh, hall of justice the down. down on yeah. Yeah, the U- hall of, uh, yeah. Hall of justice. The UN. Yeah down on on these uh, united nations people but norman makes himself visible to superman again or gets the specter to make himself visible to superman again and basically talks him down and says you know you don't want to be remembered like this and you know this isn't who you are very motivational kind of thing then the met- other metahuman survivors show up at the un and superman's like oh maybe I'm not as angry as I was cuz not everybody's dead and then he gives a little speech in front of the un about you know, working with them rather than around them or kind of over them to deal with what remains of the metahumans. Yeah. And then we start getting like flash forwards. We see Bruce having rebuilt Wayne Manor and turning it into a hospital ward for survivors of the nuke. Uh, and it's staffed by the remnants of the mankind liberation front, including Luther cleaning bedpans. Just fantastic. <laughs> I love it. Like Bruce still just like giving him fucking shit. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that box by, like, says, box by and says Shazam. <laughs> yeah. So good. 
Uh, uh, we see Diana get her crown back on Themyscira, and she then visits Cal in Kansas, where Cal's making a huge memorial to all the dead. She gives him his Clark Kent glasses, which are like basically the symbol of his humanity that he had lost for so long. And then she calls him Clark as she as she flies off, which is the first time that sort of he allows himself to be called Clark again yeah. for this whole story. And then uh, Norman and the Spectre bid each other farewell after Norman reminds the Spectre of his own humanity as Jim Corrigan, who is a former cop. And we get an epilogue uh, that is found only in the collected and digital editions again, where we flash forward a year with Clark and Diana meeting Bruce for lunch or dinner or something at Planet Krypton. And it basically just ties up some loose ends in the plot. But Clark and Diana also plan to tell Bruce that Diana is pregnant, but Bruce, being world's greatest detective, has already figured it out. And then Diana does manage to surprise Bruce by asking him to be the kid's godfather. And it's just beautiful to see Bruce Wayne with a surprised look on his face because that's not something you get to see very often. Also, just like I like the he he immediately is like, listen, uh, me and parenting, not great. <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. You guys know my track record here, yeah, right? <laughs> not awesome. So. I, fucked up, I fucked up a bunch of kids, <laughs> like eight by now. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like eight of them were my wards, and like, exactly. they're all messed up beyond. Compared. Do you guys have any idea how much I pay in therapy bills? <laughs> Yeah, like, I'm still paying for Damien's therapy. Like, it's just, it's insane. So, yeah. Uh, And then as they all walk out together, being all friendly, they pass Norman and Jim Corrigan at the bar, who are ordering dinner together, with Uncle Sam apparently sitting beside them. Another just random little Easter egg there. He had just done uh, Uncle Sam as a comic not too long after or before this. Uh, It was in that same... Just after this, maybe. Yeah, it was in that same period he was working on it, so, yeah. But that that wasn't the DC Uncle Sam, though. It was for a different... It was a different company, but he was working. He was working on Uncle Sam at the time. We see, actually, when they walk out to you, see, uh, we go right back to the beginning. Yep. They walk past see, Wesley Dodd's gear, basically in the corner like there. Paraphernalia is like uh, gas, gas gun, mask, his, and his gas gun. mask, and everything, which sort of brings the full circle. And Finn, um, I have a question about is is Jim Corrigan still the Spectre? Because it wasn't for a little while there. It was like, it was uh, Hal Jordan for a little while, and then it was Crispus for a little while. Christmas on. I, it's been a long time since we've seen the Spectre. I, I feel like he probably popped up in Dark, fucking Dark Knight's Death Metal, but I can't remember who his host is. It's definitely not Hal Jordan. Oh, no, it's, it's Hal's back with a ring, right? Like, yeah, he's still alive. It's either, it's... I don't know if it's, I can't remember if it's Christmas Allen or if it's uh, Jim Corrigan right now. Uh, should bring Christmas back to life and do more Gotham Central or something like that for me, I guess. Yeah. I miss Christmas. Anyway, uh, so that's Kingdom Come, the plot in a very, very big nutshell. <laughs> it's a big story for four issues. It is. Um, this is kind of your episode, regardless of me hosting it, though. So, like, where do you <laughs> want to go with this? Like, what do you want to talk about? Like, there, we can talk about the art, I guess, to start. I mean, it's fucking gorgeous art. I think this is probably my favorite work from Alex Ross. Not that I've read everything that he's ever drawn or drawn slash painted kind of thing. This is his sweet spot for me as well. Uh, Marvel's was a little loose. I think remember we were talking about like he hadn't quite dialed it in 100% yet. Um, There's still some moments of that in here, but like it's much tighter uh, Mm -hmm. this time. And it's not so like obnoxiously tight as it was in like I remember reading Justice and just being like, wow, this looks like. Or even that, 
even that epilogue that he did to Marvels that we read, where it was just yes. so drastically improved compared to to Marvels and like yeah. almost jarringly so. Yeah. Uh, so this is kind of like my Alex Ross sweet spot, where like it just looks filmic enough that I can kind of, if you squint, it looks like real life, right? Mm-hmm. Which is kind of what you want Alex Ross stuff to do. But just the the level of detail here is just amazing. The the outstanding things that he does playing with light and shadow in this yeah. story, and just the raw emotion and expression he's able to capture in characters, both their faces and in their physicality, is just astounding. Yeah, no, he is. Yeah, he's one, he's like that eight hundred pound gorilla in the the art world of comics, where you're just like, who the f-? like you can't touch him, right? Like, really, I have like complaints in terms of like tiny things where like some pages get muddled because it's so yeah there's some weird composition shit here and there where he's trying to do a little too much on some panels and that yeah so like there's some stuff where like he tries to like his his reach exceeds his grasp or however that sentence is supposed to go but like by and large like ah, this yeah these are because this story in particular is so focused on characters that he likes painting and paints very well like superman Mm. or captain marvel this works really well for me like i love his wonder woman because i like a thicker you know yeah like, very it's very linda carter influence too yeah absolutely um but yeah I, I love i love this version of superman too he's ripped as shit graying at the temple huge just yeah. fucking like a mountain just, just yeah. huge but like not overly muscled like there are some characters where he specifically draws them as like fucking ripped as shit like crazy fucking abs and shit like that yeah Whereas superman is just a fucking bulk he's just yeah. a massive fucking guy yeah, like he's in good shape, but he's not like defined. Defined. He looks like he looks like the last person in the room you want to get in a fight with, though, considering how yeah. fucking wide his chest is most of the time. Yeah. Um, well, I, like that that full page shot of Superman when he first returns, like, and they show him in the full fucking costume. He's yeah. carrying like three fucking dudes in each arm, kind of thing. It's just yeah, so good. Might be one of the like most iconic Superman shots, like of yeah. the last thirty years too. Like all, all these Alex Ross paintings have become so like iconic in terms of their. Like when you say Superman and you like kind of picture that you don't go to a movie or whatever, like the Alex Ross one is kind of the one that pops in my head. Like it's like the purest version of comic book Superman, which is hilarious because like I fucking hate his Batman so goddamn much. But like, <laughs> like his Superman and Wonder Woman, I'm like, these are perfect. And I look at his Batman, and I'm like, you hack, <laughs> you're fucking terrible at this. So uh, I, I think do, like- he draws the masks. Like he draws the masks on people like they're fabric, and I think that's just what bothers me about it. Yeah. Especially Batman, it should be a it's like it's not a fabric mask. It has to be a helmet. It doesn't make sense to me otherwise, because yeah. he's a regular dude jumping off fucking roofs. Like he's gotta have some protective gear on. <laughs> like it doesn't make fucking sense otherwise, right? So yeah. uh so yeah, like the the weird fabricy stuff he does with the mask always kind of throws me off. It's a very silver age kind of approach to it, but it it's is, something I will always bitch about when I see Alex Ross stuff. I'm like, I fucking hate his Batman. So. I'm inclined to agree. There are a couple of there are a couple of of old, outdated costumes that he does stick to. And while I do love Ross's art, there's some costumes that even his art can't fucking save. Oh yeah, I don't. I like. There's uh, a couple shots of like the the traditional Green Lantern costume like painted by him and i'm just like i can't it looks yeah. not great i do and, i like this emerald knight kind of uh yeah i think when he, he does here it's a pretty cool version with the the sort of light armor yeah but i also like the batman in this because he's armored up you know what yeah. i mean like when he designs armor he does a good job of the armor i feel like sometimes when he's trying to translate what are essentially very goofy like dated comic book costumes to a very real looking 
rendering style, I guess, is the, the best way to put it, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't hold together quite as well. So, yeah. I, although I may be bitching about the Green Lantern costume and I'm thinking about the guy at the fucking restaurant and it's supposed to look like shit. So, <laughs> yeah. That maybe that's what cool. I'm thinking about. But yeah. I, and I, I also very much appreciate while we're talking about character designs that they let some of the characters get kind of old and fat, but clearly still, you know, some of them clearly still like trying to hold on to the glory days. Like we talked about, like Oliver Queen's fucking totally bald. You got like fucking fat, balding Lobo and shit like that. And some of the, I think you've, uh, was it Wonder Girl, I think is also like put on some pounds kind of thing too. And I'm like, oh, that's fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, some people would like, you're not going to stick with the hero thing. Like God being that kind of shaped like it's almost killed Hugh Jackman at this point, right? So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, you can't do that forever unless you are, you know, some kind of metahuman. Yeah. Have they ever like implied that like the Joker's daughter is Harley Quinn's daughter? Like I'm assuming that's what that's supposed to be impl- implying at that point, but Oh, um, I, I again I I had in the trade paperback version that I had it had breakdowns of the covers. Yeah. Uh, that, that oh, no, I have that in here. I can probably look it up, but... and, and a little bit of information about each one. And that was kind of cool to be like, okay, this character, you know, there's something you can guess at. Like you can guess at Ollie and Dinah's daughter and shit like that. You yeah. Know, she's the one that looks like fucking black canary and carries a fucking bow and arrow yep. and shit like that. There are others that are less, you know, cut and obvious dry kind yeah. of thing, but where you can like, once you hear it, you're like, oh, that makes sense. But like, you don't need that information to enjoy the nope. story. It's just kind of cool additional information. And and it's one of those things where you can tell that Mark Wade and Alex Ross probably worked together to come up with at least some degree of backstory for some of these characters and what their legacy is and that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, they, apparently they collaborated quite tightly on this one. So it's yeah, I mean, fucking shows. Alex Ross likes to have a lot of like say in what he's doing also and like yeah after marvels nobody was arguing with him and then after this <laughs> it was like it was over he was the guy so like you don't really get to yeah. bitch about him too much even like I, i'll bitch about him because like whatever <laughs> i'm never gonna meet the man out of those newer characters there are some really interesting character designs there are some that are fucking way out there but there are some that are really cool yeah the, the one, one of the ones that's way out there is that dude that's just like a fucking walking church spire that yeah. one always i'm like what the fuck were you trying to do here it's just weird but yeah i mean there's it's just there's a lot of you know they had so much fucking freedom just to make up their own fucking characters here and and they had clearly had so much fucking fun with that yeah yeah i don't know i'm still just looking at like painting at this point and i'm just like yeah <laughs> there's not really much to bitch about in terms of the art of this book you know like i know I, I mean i'm being very pedantic at this point in terms of like what i'm bitching about and it's just like personal preference stuff as a like fellow illustrator i'm just like ah he's a hack but and, no really like it's <laughs> alex ross right like holy shit you know there are some panels that are really fucking busy but some of them are i just and yes, composition wise, maybe it's a little too busy, but there are other mm-hmm. times where I'm just like looking at, and every time I read this through, I catch like new little bits of, of story that are happening in the background or something like that, or one character's reaction in the opposite end of a panel or something like that, that I hadn't picked up before that just adds a little bit more dimension to that scene or whatever. Yeah. Well, he talks weird. about like, he has to labor over these panel. Like obviously he labors over these pages for so long that like he gets to kind of go back and you can, you have time to go back and tweak things to like add Revise those little and flares and like details and stuff like that to come back in. Especially on, some of these like those huge like big old fucking one or two page spl- splash pages and shit like that was just oh yeah fucking gorgeous yeah yeah you can tell sometimes he definitely saved some uh 
I was going to say pencil miles, but I guess it's probably more like paintbrush miles. Yeah. Well, no, he pencils everything before and then paints over. He does. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly like, I wish he would. I, this is one of those like weird, only I want it kind of things, but I would love him to just pencil a comic and have it inked traditionally. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because he draws so well. Like, when you look at his sketches and stuff, it's so fucking great. And I would love to just see, like, just do like 12 issues of Superman, just draw it. And then let somebody else like fucking ink it. I'll ink it. Whoever it doesn't I almost, matter. I almost feel like he might've done a bit of that. Maybe with some of the follow-ups to this, like the kingdom miniseries or something like thought, that. Didn't he, and he moved on to Astro city by then and wasn't really working for DC in that period. But like, mm. I don't I think he did the covers, right? Maybe, but like, yeah, I remember him kind of going over to, uh, doing like the, all that Astro city stuff, with Kurt Busiek, yeah, yeah. uh, which was like, yeah, I, I remember those he did breakdowns on, because maybe what I'm talking about is something he kind of did with Astro city where he did breakdowns and gave them to somebody else to do finish pencils. And then they got inked elsewhere kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that might be earth X I'm thinking of also, which is another Marvel thing that <laughs> like we'll never do because it's terrible and goes on for like 18 fucking thousand different miniseries and stuff. So, <laughs> And then I know we were talking about the the covers, but I, I just want to say these all four of these issues have very striking covers. The first three are packed with these interesting character designs. The first the first three issues have like the first three factions. So issue one is all the new gen heroes yep. or metahumans uh, with Spectre front and center. Then number two is the Justice League, the reformed Justice League with Norman in the middle. And then number three is Bruce and his allies with Captain Marvel in the middle. And then number four is that really impactful image of Superman sort of cast in shadow with like red, like kind of like, yeah, swirling around him. Yep. Those are all just gorgeous, gorgeous fucking images and all just drawn within a fucking inch of their life. Yeah. Well painted, but yes. Yeah. Painted. Yep. I mean, we could sit here and talk about the art in this fucking book all night, but, uh, but otherwise... let's jerk off Mark Wade for a bit instead. Yeah, like Mark Wade, who like puts together like quite a solid story here. Like I, I mean, mm. it's at this point feels like oh this this should be wrote, but 1996 this was a pretty original like take on all this stuff, and it was probably the first time we really saw the DC characters go like full Watchmen kind of thing. Yeah, deconstructed kind of this way. Yeah, and we're like kind of tearing them down to the point where yeah, like the yeah we're really going to get into the core of the the main problem of the dc universe right is that like how powerful all these fucking characters are and like what happens when that power goes unchecked and like they're not all looking to because like that's the the thing that everybody always kind of hinges the dc universe on is like uh, everybody just looks to superman as the example right i mean most of the time they use that character is like he's the paragon of that universe and everybody kind of follows his lead and what happens when he steps away and like you know, nobody steps in, nobody good steps into that fucking role. Yeah. Uh, and this is it. So, yeah, no, I mean, I think Mark Wade knocks it out of the park with this story. I think it's paced pretty well. I think he tells you just as much as you need to know about this world and its inhabitants without kind of bogging you down with unnecessary details. Yeah. I mean, like that, that's the thing, like the beauty of this story is like, because like you would have even more than I would, but like as a, like just normal bog standard comic book reader, like you have so much context that you can draw from all of this just based on character interactions. And like, it doesn't really matter what generation you're from either. Like you could be a silver age guy who reads this story and it still kind of tracks like Batman Superman's interactions track and wonder woman Clark's interactions track and all that kind of stuff. Whereas like for us, obviously it was like, 
this is contemporary to the stuff we were reading mm. and it all tracks right like I, I remember reading that first interaction between like old bruce and like superman and it's being like ah, yeah bruce still a fucking asshole and i love him. he's just <laughs> always like he's always the first person to call superman on this fucking bullshit and i love it so yeah no and, yeah. and i like the story just plays so well on yeah. the themes of like hope and justice which are kind of central to to the mythos of of dc overall and yeah. Wade just clearly really understands these characters, sort of what, what you, each of them are at their core, their psychologies, and, and knows how to play those off each other. Like how Superman can become detached from humanity when he loses his ties to it. Like this is the story that would end up being retold and told again. It was most recently done in Injustice. You know, when he loses his links to humanity, when he loses Lois, in this case, also killed by the Joker, as she is in Injustice. Well, I mean, like, uh, Injustice was a huge ripoff of this. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, the setup of that of that story was just, like, the setup of this story differently told, basically. And it's just like, wow, it's lazy. But, it's yeah, it, that's how you do it, right? Like, if you want to turn Superman dark, it's like, you have to disconnect him. And, like, what he's connected to is the Daily Planet and specifically Lois, right? Especially yeah. post his parents. Like, you're that far removed where his parents are probably both gone. Or, like, if you're a Silver Age insane person like Alex Ross, his parents were never alive. Like, his, like, Monopoc can't have been dead for decades to him, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he hasn't read a, a comic since, like, 1981 or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, there's just, there's so many beautifully written little character moments between back and forth between so many of the different characters. And then Wade writes them beautifully. And then Ross does a great job of bringing those to life on the page as well through his art as well. So it really just, it's a fantastic fucking collaboration. And I just, the pinnacle of an example of, you know, of a, of artist and writer working together to kind of tell the story, you know, to both contribute those core pieces of the story together. Yep. But and and the thing like this the reason this works so well for me is the story just has everything I love about DC Comics. It's got those big old fucking superhero battles, tons of like legacy superheroes going back to like those World War II Justice Society characters and shit like that. It's got like one of these epic sort of world-changing redefining storylines and so many little references and throwbacks to old like stories and continuity from in characters and shit like that from DC's history. But I would also argue that this story is universal enough that you can still enjoy it without having a deep knowledge of DC, which is something I found with Marvel's as well. Like you definitely get maybe a bit more out of it. If you know the history of Marvel comics and, you know, those big moments that they're calling out, but you can still appreciate it without knowing those, you know, in detail. Yeah, I think Marvel's might be a little, I mean, Marvel's is a little bit more of like an origin of that universe, whereas this is kind of like the end of this universe kind of thing. Yeah. Or like, I guess, yeah. I mean, to a certain extent, it's the end of like the DC universe as we knew it kind of thing. Um, so Marvel's a little bit more entry level, I guess, like you're getting to kind of watch the nascent Marvel universe, whereas this is obviously a very, 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 very mature DC universe that we're here in. But no, still like everything works properly and tracks for all these characters and like you're not being like why the fuck is everybody acting so out of character there are occasionally questions about like who's fucking who like which flash which green lantern which (laughs) like i don't know who this is and they only they don't ever tell you so you can just kind of it can be whoever you want it to be like they have their they come back and said like that green lantern's alan scott and like that flash is probably barry because that's what i don't know i i almost feel like they said jay yeah yeah but like I think to those two guys, like the guys who wrote it, obviously Mark Wade and Alex Ross, I think they've kind of said like, yeah, it's like the golden age guys. 
yeah. more are coming back. What is, I mean, that makes sense. Cause Jay Garrick is the one that has that, uh, that, that helmet. Hat. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, but, yeah, but they're like, it, that one could be a merging of all three of four, three of them. I don't know. They, they mentioned Bart too, but like whatever, because obviously Mark was the guy who introduced Bart, I think in that run back in the day. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, he introduced impulse back way back yeah. when in the nineties. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. uh, yeah, but yeah, I know. I like the way they kind of deal with that kind of stuff. Like I say, he's like a DC, you know, person like who reads these things occasionally, mm-hmm. everything tracks properly. You can apply these characters to whoever you want them to be. Like it could be Barry and Hal, I guess, if you want it to be. Yeah, I think that works too. Or Wally and Kyle or whoever your preferred slash. Yeah, I mean, the, those, those characters are so peripheral and they're really yeah. only, you know, you really only ever see them in their superhero identities. So it doesn't really matter too much. who's yeah, Exactly. In those cases. Exactly. Whereas like, yeah, your Trinity is going to be the Trinity regardless. So yeah, you don't have to do too much with those three characters. Um, aside from have the two men bitch at each other constantly because that's just the way it works. Yeah. So. And then the only other thing I want to call out, and again, I don't know whether this is Wade or Ross or a mix of both, but there's a lot of little Easter eggs I hadn't noticed before on this read through, which is saying something because I've noticed a lot of fucking Easter eggs before this, but I hadn't noticed the random fucking Bjork poster. Oh, yeah. Or, Alex Ross is a Bjork fucking fanboy. He's like, oh, yeah? like three million times. Yeah, <laughs> he's she is his favorite like warm up model. I guess he just grabs Bjork stuff and like paints Bjork because she's in Marvels, too. Like she pops. Huh. Remember we talked about the oh, talk yeah. about it? Me, maybe I don't know where we kind of pointed out that like, oh, look, there's fucking Bjork just randomly. It's just because Alex, so Ross, has a, Alex Ross has a crush on her. What are you going to yeah. do? I throw <laughs> Alison Brie in some of my stuff all the time, too. You know, it just happens. <laughs> so there you go. Can't yeah, I can't blame you there. Nope. The the copy of Under the Hood, which is written by Hollis Mason, who's yeah. you know, fucking Watchmen, and there's a number of other fucking Watchmen. Uh, he's well, like, I mean, Rush, like Rorschach is in the background at that bar. Yeah, uh, so is the question, but you know, which yeah. is interesting because <laughs> those two characters are like the same character, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, no, this I mean, like this story is very behooven to Watchmen, right? Like doing this mm-hmm. deconstruction is a very, especially for like at DC where Watchmen was published. It's yeah, like this. If you're doing it, you have you're kind of behooven to Watchmen's. I don't know, like whatever you know, like they yeah. they did it first, right? Like Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons did that shit, and like that's like the template for how you take these heroes and deconstruct them. And yeah, Kingdom Come, as much as Marvels or any other of these kinds of like we're gonna take these fucking characters and tear them down, kind of thing, deconstructions, mm-hmm. uh, Dark Knight Returns, all that kind of stuff, all super behooven to Watchmen having happened in the 80s so yeah and then the other ones that that got me this time was in the same fucking panel columbia from the rocky horror picture show (laughs) and nosferatu are standing right next to each other in the fucking gulag yeah there's a there's a panel (laughs) in fuck is it in this is it in this or marvels where like the beatles are just like hanging out that was that was, in, was that was in Marvels. Marvels. Yeah, I think you can find John Lennon in this book, though. Like he's Probably. hidden in there well, I mean, too. Alex Ross, you know, legendarily fucking uses just whoever the fuck you can find as are uh, as you know uh, as Photo reference. models. Yeah, yeah. And, and then we'll just like put them in. Like you know, you can tell. Like we we could sit here for an hour and fucking go through all of the oh yeah DC artists and writers and shit that he drew into this fucking comic. Like I I mean I picked out 
Mike Carlin in a fucking second. Oh yeah, Mike Carlin's fucking obvious in this. So like, yeah, yeah I think Mike Carlin was the was he not the guy who fucking commissioned this story? Probably he was like. I wouldn't be surprised. I think he was he was running the Superman desk at the time, right? So yeah, yeah he was the editor, the uh, Superman editor at the time. Yeah, so I don't know. So, just uh, I don't know. Yeah, and then and then just the last thing I know I mentioned this earlier, but yeah, this is a story that you know just the lasting impact of this story is the fact that many versions of these characters come back and play key roles in big stories in DC later on, like Gog and Magog come back later on in in Justice Society. The Kingdom Come Superman fucking shows up in Justice Society and in another number of other fucking stories. That version of Starman ends up playing a big role in some future stories as well this and there have been it's fucking badass sorry i'm just is. looking through like the uh the, like the sketch stuff at the end of the trade and i'm like this yeah, hot yeah. man is fucking dope and so. then there have also been like multiple follow-up series i will say none are as good as the original no but i remember reading the, i read the i read the kingdom like the first one they did and i was just like this is fucking terrible i'm out so yeah. that was kind of the last time i looked at this stuff it's one of those like they did marvels too too right and it was just like ah, oh, this is what? garbage yeah and i mean they didn't have the same creators involved uh i think i think mark wade might have uh written the there were, like, bookend of issues of yeah. the kingdom and then there were like a few miniseries within it uh and but they were like you know they were kind of like the i mean they came up before this but they were kind of like the before watchmen books where yeah. they like follow around certain characters or explore sort of certain corners of the kingdom come universe which is kind of cool like if you just want to like know a little bit more about this world it gives it's as a curiosity it gives you a little bit more detail and shit like that but like you don't need them they don't really add anything to the main story itself i wouldn't say yeah i've never got like read anything that was like supposedly like a sequel to this that i was like this is necessary to my reading of kingdom come like it, it's never happened um this is just... read the fucking like jeff john justice society that has like kingdom come superman and and oh uh, yeah that was that was yeah. good but like that that run that jeff john's run and like and black adam yeah that jeff john's run is like legendarily like it's a nice standalone piece also like it, you don't have to know a ton of dc continuity you just kind of like once you get a feel for those characters in that run you can just kind of go with it so yeah i like that run and that i remember him showing up in that run just being like oh now now we're in the deep end of this shit and i'm kind of ready to go <laughs> yeah i do have one very minor gripe which we haven't mentioned yet which is that bruce wayne a man of high society would never fucking order a well-done steak no that's true they only did that so that they could do the fucking gag of clark like cooking his steak the rest of the way with heat vision yeah, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. He would get no nutrition out of it, and that would be the entire point of him eating anything is to, to get the protein out of it because he's insane about that. Even I would assume at that point, like how like he's supposed to be like 70, 80 years old, yeah, and still getting in the gear. But you know, what are you gonna do? He's Bruce Wayne. You gonna tell him no? Fuck no. But yeah, the yeah, I like because the drink orders were the best, right? <laughs> like she yeah. orders water. Clark orders milk and he's like just fucking coffee and just keep it coming and I'm like yeah, yeah exactly. that's, that's Batman that's right <laughs> yeah that's how we do things that, that like in the night time <laughs> sleep likes to stay up all the time anyway yeah uh yeah that's my only real gripe about like stuff is like I have little like comic booky like illustration things where I'm like ah you did too much on this panel or whatever um mm. I'm not enough of a DC dork to know like as much as I should about this thing it's crazy. Um, how deep you can go on this. I love oh, that yeah. you get to kind of look at it and see stuff like, yeah, they, they introduced the Ibn al-Zufash character and like now I can write that back. It's like, that's grown up Damien. That's fucking cool, right? Like they 
they were way ahead of the fucking ball on bringing that character back and like making him a uh, a real character in the DC universe, right? So like that almost prescient in a way. But yeah, I just like everything about this book works for me, yeah. um, and that's saying something for me as like not always like the biggest DC <laughs> fanboy. It uh, it's got a good through line. It's got a nice complete story. The art's just stunning. Uh, even super well, keeps you engaged. Keeps yeah, and like on. it doesn't doesn't stay like overstay its welcome. It's four issues, but they're like maxi four issues, like the thirty six pages a piece kind of thing. Like four, it's a big forty eight. I think forty eight per yeah. Jesus. Could you imagine? Fuck the painting must have taken forever. Plus those extra scenes and the uh, issues two and four that got uh, put in Cut. effect. Yeah, I got brought that added back to the trade and stuff. Yeah, that's it's nuts. It's a yeah, it, absolutely like a comic that like if you haven't like read it and you're a comic book fan you should totally uh take an afternoon and like enjoy kingdom come because you know what the fuck else are you gonna do with your time i don't know (laughs) (laughs) you're listening to us talk about it for two hours so like you may as well have read the original at this point so there's that cool do you have anything else you want to talk about like do you want to do like a rate and review on this it's hard for me to be like this is like this is a nine i guess i don't know it's like a 10 like it's it's just that it's one of those like you put a top 50 trade paperbacks like what comic book story should you read before you die i think kingdom come will probably be in my top 20 easy i'd probably top, be in your top, top five, five for me, yeah. yeah right yeah uh i would definitely i would probably it'd probably be in the, it'd be high for me but i don't know if it'd be like top 10 yeah. so like it's not fucking watchmen or whatever yeah. so no, this is a fucking 10 out of 10 series for me. Like I said, yeah. if you ask me for a story that really does a good job of encapsulating all that DC Comics represents, I would hand you Kingdom Come. It just it's easily easily my favorite Elseworlds story that DC's ever done. Um, and I know that I mentioned it when we talked about it uh, previously as like one of my favorite limited series ever. So I'm happy to you know have the opportunity to fucking deep dive it. That's cool. I can't think of any other Elseworlds story that would like now I'm like looking up. I mean, there are some other great ones out there, but there's just nothing that has the same kind of scope. Most of them are like focused in on one team or a single, you know, one or two characters or something like that. Yeah, no, agreed. This is one of those ones where like it doesn't even feel like it should be an Elseworld story. Like it's funny that it is an Elseworld story when I look at it now because it's like this just feels like this is just the the end of the DC universe to me, right? Like no matter what, like kingdom come is going to happen. Like it's been in my head forever. <laughs> as like, that's just the way this ends, which makes no sense to me because like in my head, dark Knight returns also happens. So like DC continuity eh, is all over the place. What are you going to do? <laughs> uh, no, I love this book. Highly recommend it. And uh, I was kind of fun to go back and look at it. We haven't done, it's always nice doing more comic booky stuff. Cause it's not something that like, I don't think everybody does this kind of shit in this space you know what i mean like most people just kind of like review the movies and review the stuff but they don't really talk about the source material whereas we get the as big fans of the source material we have something that we can do and like have something to actually talk about in terms of you know like we've read these comics a number of times and all that kind of stuff so yeah fun fun times all right let's do uh geek cred real quick and end this monster of an episode so <laughs> My geek card for this week is a band that sort of went viral this past week. Uh, the Linda Lindas. It's a group of these like four teenage girls from LA. They're between like 10 and 16 years old. They've been already playing together for like two or three years. And it's just like this, they have this like really solid earnest punk 
sound and they had this song called uh racist sexist boy that the from a show that they did like stream from a public library in la that just started getting shared around but they're like a legit fucking band like they've opened for bikini kill and like best coast and a couple other like pretty decent named bands and shit like that amy poehler put them in one of her movies and shit and like it's just really fucking fun and just really embodies that whole kind of diy raw feel that i feel like punk should have uh yeah actually uh even i caught wind of this thing it like the people have been posting this story around even like the metal circles that i'm in these days because it's just like an interesting fun story of like a bunch of kids like just playing rock and roll again yeah and just like i highly encourage this you know like if you're there's my fucking if you have kids (laughs) if you have kids and you're listening to this podcast for some reason buy them a fucking instrument man like it's just it's so good for them overall to do that and like especially if your kid's not like like i wasn't super into organized sports but like that was my being in a band was like my path to learning how to be on a team you know what i mean like when i never took to organize sports to do that kind of thing like being in a band teaches you a lot about collaborating with other people mm-hmm. and stuff like that especially in a, like if your kids are creative or whatever like it, it's a, a lot of learning can be done about how to interact with other creatives as a creative by being in a band because it's that's what you're doing it's just creating all the time and yeah, yeah, man. When, so like, when, when to like you know take a backseat or when to take control and that kind of thing. Absolutely, and, yeah. So it's just it's really I just I I've always I, I find it baffling that like that hasn't been something that like I just I find it like baffling that like people don't put their kids into music more as that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like start a band, do something like that where like you're mastering a, a skill and an instrument, but you're also learning to socialize with it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you can't be a guitarist and not at some point probably interact with a drummer bass player maybe a lead singer kind of thing right and i think that's i don't know i think there's a lot you can learn in that instance so my recommendation for this week is uh first of all the new fucking gojira record which i think i've talked about like the single before but the whole thing (laughs) fortitude is out now and it's it will burn your fucking house down it's so goddamn good and that had me actually going back and playing my drums again so like yeah fucking music right now has kind of been like my little safe space so go fuck if you play guitar and you haven't picked it up in a while fucking pick up your guitar if you haven't sat behind your kit in a while god knows it's taking up enough space in your house because mine fucking is <laughs> like go sit behind the <laughs> kit and hit the goddamn thing every once in a while just like enjoy your instrument i guess like go do something creative for yourself just because it you'll feel better about putting something creative out into the world as opposed to just like wallowing in covid fucking insanity or whatever so agreed there you go. That's my geek cred for this week. Dear Lord, everybody, thank you for listening. Tim, happy birthday, buddy. I'll say it right <laughs> on the fucking podcast, even though it, like, thank you. it happens it's in 45, 45 minutes. 45 minutes from now. <laughs> from now when we're recording, and by the time this gets out, it'll be like fucking long past. But either way, happy birthday, buddy. Thank you. This has been episode 253 of Dance Robot Dance. I'm not even sure what yep, episode we're doing right. anymore. <laughs> Boom. If you haven't already, please subscribe. You can do that from any podcasting app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. If you have any thoughts about anything we talked about this week, please hit us up. Uh, you can do so via Facebook. On Facebook, it is holy shit. 
Sorry, hit us up on Facebook <laughs> at facebook.com uh, slash dance robot dance podcast on Twitter uh, at DRD underscore podcast, where you can also follow Tim at DRD underscore Tim, I think. Yep. And then I am M underscore Willette on Twitter. You can also follow me on Instagram, MT underscore Willette. That's where my art, my beautiful, beautiful doodles get posted. I did a nice Harley Quinn this week as a fan request thing. So look good. Yeah, I had a good time doing that one. I actually did it. That was like, I, I did a 3D model just to kind of like get the basic, you know, pose together. But I basically freehanded that one, which nice. I haven't done in a long time. Doing a lot of like building from reference and stuff. So yeah. it was cool to kind of like rebuild it old school, like comic book style, like the way Stuart would have done it kind of thing or taught me to do it either way. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you can do that. You can buy a print from me, uh, blackgreengallery.com. New stuff will be coming shortly. Credit cards mm-hmm. and things are happening so like i'm having to nice. start well like existence is re-beginning so i can kind of start you know pushing my shit a little bit harder and like uh, we were talking a little bit uh fan expo might happen sometime in october so i yeah. might get a table depending on how covid numbers are looking at the time and where my vaccination stands but i would love to like just fucking do a con yeah, and you know fun. be a lot of fun at this point fingers crossed so hopefully we'll see you guys at fan expo or someplace as the world reopens. So yeah, there you go. So Tim, happy birthday, buddy. Say good night. Thank you. Good night. Don't order your fucking steak. Well done, Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Fuck Bruce. That's the, the one thing I should that, you know what? That's my gripe about kingdom come is like <laughs> they mischaracterize Bruce's steak order. Yeah. Yeah. Bruce, so that's Bruce would order fucking steak rare. Let's be honest. Medium rare. <laughs> it's canonical. I've read it. I'm a number of times. You always, it's always medium rare. <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye.